action. Welcome. This is the next episode, the eighth episode? Eighth episode. Of Talking Through the Haze, and we had our friend Chris Bates on, yes. and man, yes. we got fucking that deep. That can talk. He we, can talk. He can talk. Sometimes I don't even... He, was, he, said, <laughs> he said a word, and I was like, is that, <laughs> is that a real word? <laughs> I was like, is that he's, he's probably one of the smartest people I know. I mean, I would, maybe I would argue the smartest. Yes. I would definitely argue, <laughs> I mean, yeah. so yeah, so you'll probably listen to this episode, and you'll probably hear things, and he'll probably talk about stuff, and you'll be like, what the fuck is this motherfucker talking about? But it'll do you some good. It'll do you some really good. It'll make you think. It'll. Uh, it's it was a great a, brain exercise. It was a super fun episode to do. Um, probably one of my favorite thus far. I personally can't wait to have him on again. Oh, man, that. I know for sure. Because like, Chris, I think, is one of those people that we could just... I mean, we went like for two hours and ten minutes. This is our longest episode yet. I think this is a great example of why we wanted to start uh, doing close to a it. podcast was because we wanted to have more conversation just like this one yes. where it gets that. And not to say that our past guests haven't been really awesome people. Yes, and we, we haven't love had all those conversations. We have. But I think I think Chris is one of those people you can have those conversations with with ease. Yes. Because he, he just naturally gets you there. Yeah. You know? Yeah, so, there yeah. Sure. so much information pouring out of his head. So we could definitely, we definitely want to have him on. He's also a very uh, several other times as very well. Very intellectual individual, and I know he has videos on YouTube. I'm um, talking about things like cybersecurity, so you can yes. also look him up by Chris Bates. Chris Bates, and watch some of those videos, and they are or, very or, interesting if you take the time to understand what he's discussing. Chris Bates or Larry Bates. Um, Larry is his actual first name. Larry Christopher Bates, but he goes by Chris Bates. So if you if you want to look him up on social media or you want to look him up on YouTube or however you would like to do that, that is, um, I guess, the best way to do it. Super smart individual. Super fun episode. Please and come take the time to listen to it. Yes, and join us. Um, definitely, you know, if you guys want to do opening up any discussion topics off anything discussed. Hit yes. us up on Facebook at our thing. Um, yes. You know, hit us up at all of our things at our thing. What is our thing? Talking through the talking haze. haze. Yeah, but what's all the information? Okay, oh. so we are at talking through the haze at gmail dot com. Um, sure, make it sweet, Neil. And Don't we are on Facebook people. talking through the haze. Also, Instagram talking through the haze. Like a good preacher, you let it go. And early. we can. You can get a hold of us. Sponsorships, anything like that. Any kind of anything you want to do. And Just down. get a hold of us. Oh, he's down. All right, we love you. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs>
Nothing, nothing I mean, crazy. Yeah, just kind of introduce yourself. So, you know, who you uh, are, where you're from, what you do. I am a cybersecurity specialist. And that sounds really fun. <laughs> what I do is going to be probably different every single week. Hell yeah. And that's kind of why I do it. Oh, yeah. And it's like uh, one of the one of the things that makes cybersecurity interesting is it's ever evolving, which everything it technically is, but right. at least it's self aware that it's ever evolving. So nothing's ever the same. Oh yeah, that's why. So it. so like what what would your average day look like? I mean, like you get to work from home, I guess for the most well, part. Should we start off with how you got into it? Um, so first I was, um, in augmented reality doing, um, soundtracks actually, because what happens is, I don't know if people really pay attention to the soundtracks that like when they're doing anything, whether it's watching a movie or, um, playing a video game, if you pay attention to the soundtrack, it's probably cause it's not good. Oh, okay. Um, but what happens is the soundtrack is a lot of the information that people are taking in. So it's actually a heavy part of anything that you're doing. The sound is going to be a huge element of it. So I was working in sound for gaming for a while, um, which sounds, you know, when you when you talk about it, you think it's like, oh, you're talking about sound. But you, it's uh, like you have to understand the mood and the thought process of the person playing the game in order to not be able to, uh, or in order to not break their sense of immersion in the game. Right. So it's a lot more than um, just making sound work. So right. that's kind of where um, starting in that industry, um, augmented reality kind of wasn't taking off. Um, so what was augmented reality supposed to be i don't think i'm familiar with um augmented reality is basically so um say we're all sitting here at this table and if we all look through our cell phones maybe there's like a little elephant running around oh, the table. okay yeah okay. no i think i've seen like then, apps that do stuff like oh okay. that. it's like, like the wine bottle thing. thing yeah the wine bottle yeah they have this wine bottle with like a face on it and mm. they have an app for a phone and then you can put your phone over the face and like your camera mode and it'll talk to you exactly so like that okay All so right. this is like what kind of the industry i was working in and it didn't really take off because people were like fuck your technology basically. <laughs> it's, like, it's like one of those things where getting in that field made me understand um like whenever something's new people are just gonna fight it because they don't they yeah. have no, like, only early adopters are the ones that don't fight it. Yeah. Whatever it is, whether it's cell phones, pagers, books, yeah, um, you know, anything digital, people are going to fight it because it breaks their daily routine. Yeah. Until they find... They like, fear the unknown, I guess. Uh, yeah, well, and it's not even just that. It's people do not like changing their routines. And then... Only when you can change the routine to make it easier will they make a change in the routine. So augmented reality wasn't really doing anything to make people's lives easier right. or different, really. And that's where um, the tech didn't really catch on. And it still kind of hasn't caught on yet. Right. Um, just because it's really like, you know, there's not a t Like, 
there's places for it to be used, but people have to really figure out those places in order right. to like make it work. Um, and it kind of like I don't think people want to invest the time and money in that. But I learned all that being in augmented reality sure. and having it not catch on. So that's kind of where um, what I then learned is uh, at in about 2013, I was like in. I had gotten into cryptocurrency just tangentially to kind of see where the industry is going. But then what I realized in 2013 is that the entire internet is broken. And I don't mean that metaphorically. I mean (laughs) that literally like this was right when Heartbleed happened, which I don't know if you guys are familiar Mm -hmm. with Heartbleed. Like we experienced Heartbleed in our organization before it had gone public. So it was like one of those things where, um, when you experience like a major, like large scale, it, something that has large scale implications and you're on a small scale and you try to like warn people, like you're not Paul Revere in this case, you're just some fucking random person. <laughs> and that's where it's like, what I learned then is even if you're correct, even if you have the right information, nobody will listen to you if you don't have the proper credentials. So I went back to school to get a cybersecurity degree in 2014 because like, because I understood that the entire internet was broken in 2013, I was like, okay, by the time I get done with this degree, cybersecurity is going to be the most high in demand thing on the planet. And that's like why I got into cybersecurity. Right. And then in 2016, cybersecurity is the most high in demand thing on the planet. Good move. So, is that right? <laughs> so did you, was that just a two-year degree you had to go do, mm-hmm. like a master's or whatever? Okay. So then yeah. you got out and then kind of fell right into the field that you're in now? Yep. So when you say the internet's broken. What do you mean by that? That's the easiest way to say it. It's, it's um, like, my thing is, people use technology that they don't understand, and right. their access to that technology makes them feel like they understand it. Right. So you have people, like, 99% of the people who use the internet have no idea how it works. It might as well be magic elves passing yeah. magic messages <laughs> to each other. Yeah. And story. it's like when you confront them with this reality, like a lot of people will be like, well, no, I, I, I understand. And they'll go look up Wikipedia and try to be like, oh, I can go look it up. And that gives me the understanding of that knowledge. Right. Yeah. This is like the Cliff's Notes effect. Right. It's, and, it's all the knowledge without what it took to get to understand. Yeah, and when you have that access, it this is it's also um, represents an evolution because what happens is if you don't have to memorize all of that knowledge, right. it allows you to access it in a way that you can start thinking about things in a higher level than if you had to go through the process of memorizing all those things. So right. there Pros are lots of things happening yeah. with the access to information and the predisposition to stop doing things that you don't have to do once you have the capacity to not do that. So when people gain the the calculator, they stop having to use the abacus or stop having to use mental math, but it allowed them to do much larger calculations than they were before the calculator existed. So it's a trade off. When humans learned written language, they didn't have to memorize all of our history through oral traditions anymore. But this is why you have 
things like the Aborigines who have 80,000 years of continuous history through oral tradition, but you have the Westerners who don't recognize it because it's not written down. So they say right. it's probably flawed. Um, but then, As if written records were never flawed. Exactly. <laughs> so obviously that's a flawed framing. Yeah. Um, but this is, again, when it comes down to um, why we use things that we don't understand, it's we don't have the time to understand everything that we use. Right. But people, every time something new is introduced, the hurdle to that adoption is always, but I don't know how to use it. Yeah. How does your credit card work? <laughs> no idea. How does your cell phone work? I Even mean, less of an idea. It sends a signal to a tower. <laughs> to a magical and elf. And that tower sends it to, to another magical elf. How? Radio waves? Some some kind of cellular wave? Are you sure about that? I mean, no. Are you, are you 100%? Are you gonna, no. Will you bet money in your pocket no. on that? I will not <laughs> bet money. The only way that we know anything is just based off the... Stuff that someone has because told they us said we've taken on yeah. faith that it's probably true. If they said it, it must be true. Yeah, that person's even talking about us, so they must know. Yeah. yeah, I mean, like you said, it's all about credentials. So if I hear something from somebody who I think is like, if you were to tell me something, I think you're probably one of the smartest people I know. I'd probably believe you. I mean, you no, I'm not saying a, I you might have a choice, but you wouldn't have a choice, yeah. you would yeah. not have a choice. Yeah, this is the problem with time and access to information. Because if I have seven to 10 years uh, head start on learning things yeah. that you would then try to challenge me on, there is absolutely no way without like having a, like three or four assistants being able to access Google off of everything you want to know that you're gonna be able to challenge me in that conversation. Yeah. So you kind of just have to take my word for it. Yeah. And that's like the byproduct of not having time to learn everything. Yeah. And that's not your fault, but you multiply that across everything. And then people realize like they don't actually know anything. Yeah. And there's just a sense that we know everything because we can use it. Yeah. That's like, why you have specialists. Well, you have it that's all have in your like fingers. Yourself. But that's why we're told we should have specialists from the beginning, but then what happens is we weren't, that wasn't always the case. Right. Like this magical period that our parents keep alluding to, well, they were taught like how to fix their cars because they, they weren't given specialized specific tools for each, right. like the reason you can't fix your iPhone versus the Android is because the iPhone has a special uh, it's yeah. like a five point star or five point tool. I bought that thing. You had to. <laughs> yeah. You had to. Yeah. Because that's yeah. that's what happens when we're told that specialization down to that much granularity is good for us. Yeah. It's not. It's not good for the consumer. It's good for the individual company. Right. But the population at large, it has a point of diminishing returns, and we're way past that. Yeah. Well, so this is kind of why. I mean, it's kind of like the whole thing you say, like with cars, where it's like cars what? used to be a pretty basic engine. Well, nowadays exactly. they've got computers. The and whole all thing kinds is of now exactly. Stuff. I just got done remodeling the whole Ford dealership, and I was in there talking to those guys. And there's so many cars nowadays, like, for instance, one of these GMC Acadias, it's an SUV. You literally have to take the bumper off to change the headlight bulbs. Mm -hmm. It costs $1,200 yep. to change both headlight bulbs in a GMC Acadia. As to where my pickup truck, I go out there with a $5 bulb, pop the old one out, put the new one in. I mean, that's a 2000 but I'm just saying, like, that's how crazy shit's gotten. Shit's yeah. gotten so crazy that some of these mechanics, they send to school every year to learn the new stuff 
to where they're making cars, they're making everything to where the average Joe cannot fix it anymore. They cannot work on it anymore. They can't do it. Like, it's it, just a thing. And you know what you can't build like that? Hmm. Military vehicles. Yeah. So, why don't we have the military model for citizens pretty much on everything? I know. Because you can't, like, if you need, if you're in the middle of a combat scenario and you need to replace something on your vehicle, whether it's the oil the light bulb, mm -hmm. uh, uh, carburetor, what, whatever piece of that in that vehicle needs to be replaced. It has to be done quickly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that's how those vehicles are built. Yeah. So why are, why are consumers put in a spot where we have to go pay somebody $1,200 to change a light bulb? Yeah. Why? Because, because they said. And, and, they again, money. and again, money yeah. Businesses. Yeah. if you're yeah. not educated in macro and microeconomics, you can't challenge that framework. Right. Yeah. So you have to just accept trickle down economics as, as a yeah. answer. I if mean, you, now you they got these fucking scams where you have to pay 150 bucks to get your oil changed. And then they do some magical 38 point inspection and they say, oh, well, your left Duma jiggy back here is broken. So we got to change. It's going to cost you 600 bucks. And it's just a blind consumer. You're going to be like, oh, the Duma Hickey's broken. Okay, yeah, cool. Go ahead and fix that. How much does it cost? Whatever. I'll sign it. Because I believe you because you're a credential, because you're a dealership. Because you're a, you're a person who I trust telling me that I need this work done. And on that same line of private industry co-op cooperation with public sector to screw over the consumer, you had the... Um, emission standards industry basically people were forced to take their cars through this process right. in many places well then you find out that the companies who were building the vehicles uh were basically creating things to cheat those emission standards so how how is this something that if the consumer is forced to go through this process the end result is emission standards that are unattainable so then the the companies have to cheat those standards anyway the emissions aren't better the consumers pay, paying twice as much yeah. for a technology doesn't that doesn't work, work and a government test that can't be uh relied upon because it's got tricked oh perfect example my uncle lives in san diego and he had a car that was like four years old and every year you have to go and take it to this place and they have to check and they said they told him it doesn't pass california state admissions anymore you're gonna have to pay it was like 2800 bucks or 3800 bucks so he could get his car to pass it but he was like an older car had a little bit higher mile. i mean it was probably 10 years old or something like that and had higher miles and he was like it's not worth me dumping you know three or four grand into to bring up to your standards so he just had to get rid of it. he couldn't sell it yep. in the state of california so he actually brought it back mm -hmm. here to indiana and gave it to my other uncle his brother because it was just his car mm -hmm. it was his car that all of a sudden didn't pass their admissions and he was gonna have to pay all this freaking money so it would pass. So he was like, fuck it, I'll just buy a brand new car. Like, by the time everything's said and done, I'll need a new car anyway, and I'm not going to dump all that money into my old Less car. Like, and... Yeah, so yeah. it was just, but he just bring it over here to Indiana, and my uncle's just been driving it for years now, you know? And so it's like, just one more little, one little thing, you know? Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying that, like, we don't need to have admissions on our vehicles and protect our well, ozone think, layer yeah, and but that I mean, whole like Chris thing. Said, but there was, wasn't working even. Yeah. Like, if it was actually, like, keeping it up to a legitimate standard, then it would be a totally different story. Yeah. Okay, sure. Let's be good to the, the environment that we rely on. To yeah. Live. But <laughs> if you're going to BS the whole thing, what's the point? They, yeah. they, they faked the, the results. Yeah. So it wasn't even improving the environment. Yeah. So. Well, and, and, the, and the shitty thing about that is, is like, 
I understand it, but there's so many other things that we could be doing as a country or as a world that would make us have a cleaner environment like solar or wind or turbine energy, you know, different tons of different types of things. Sure, it has to be done and, correctly. But yes, yeah, I agree. And that's the thing. Like, the people just to seem into. to be fighting that progress. Like, it's like, here's the progress. Well, I think you have. Here's the solution to our issues. You, you, you have the two different views. Right, you have you have people like Trump. I mean, it has nothing to do with Trump. I mean, well, I just I think it's more like the think personality. About, think type. about this. Yeah, we used to have solar panels on the White House. Right, and then uh, was it Nixon that came in and took them off? Gerald yeah. Ford had solar panels on the White House. Yeah. Oh no, shit. Or Jimmy Carter, one of the two. It was one of the two. I don't know which one, but I know they were there. I don't know. One of those two had solar panels on the White House, mm-hmm. and then Nixon is either Nixon or Reagan I, again. It. This is all made to seem like it has to do with team sports, blue, red, <laughs> right. but it's all about money. Right. Right. Yeah, We've been told for the last 50 years that solar is not viable because there's been no investments coming into right. solar. So it's a chicken and egg argument against solar. Yeah. Um, yeah, guess what? Solar is super toxic if done yeah. incorrectly. <laughs> so, But you got to spend money to time, find better ways to do it. We've been told, oh, nuclear is, is a huge danger. Well, not if you do micro nuclear uh, factor um, reactors instead of the large ones. There, there's like, um, there's a method of doing micro reactors for smaller, like, yeah. partitions of a city rather than trying to say, oh, we're gonna build a gigantic nuclear reactor to power three for, cities, for three <laughs> states. Yeah. So it's like, yeah. you know. This bigger is better mantra that we've been told for like the last 60 years is a thousand percent wrong. Yeah. Bigger is almost you know, I feel like always that, and more le- less efficient. It's it's not surprising because I feel like it kind of like mirrors in like other aspects of life, like our technology. Mm-hmm. We always keep trying to find ways to make it smaller, more compact, more convenient. You know, and why why wouldn't that apply to other things like the way you generate your power? Like if people are talking about making like make your home self sufficient, make it to where it draws enough energy from the sun and uses thermal and all yeah. kinds of things like that. So I think I mean it just I think that's almost like one of the law like unwritten laws of nature is that you need simplicity. You need to try mm-hmm. and get things down to a basic single unit. <laughs> I mean it's not even unwritten, it's um uh, it's the brace paradox in game theory. There is a point in every system in which complexity creates problems, so complexity has a point of diminishing returns. That's like after um, Nash equilibrium in the game theory complex, which is that there's a system in which everyone can win. There is a system in which everyone can win. Yeah. We just aren't there. We're yeah. not using that system yet, and we're told that Oh, does it identify that kind of a system? Does it like give like some of the details of like yeah, absolutely how that system yeah, works? Yeah, it talks about ideal money, and well, ideal money has to be tied to real things. Yeah, like our money's not right, right, which it used to be. Yeah. Um. So again, people have no idea. Like I, I see people talking on like the cons, the idea of our national debt. It's like how do we owe? trillions of dollars to ourselves well first off we don't owe ourselves anything right if you're born as an american you're born into debt pretty much no matter what point as a citizen you are because our government sold our output as debt to other people so 
our futures as output as individuals is already promised to the government's debtors or creditors. Um, so that's what fiat money is. It's okay. the output of our country, aka your work, my, our, our work is the repayment of our government's debts. The government doesn't owe us money. The government owes someone else money. China. The federal, it's not China, China's one part of it. But the Federal Reserve is not part of our government. Right. It was originally designed that way for good intentions because what you can't have is the same people who make the laws, the ones who control the money, because inherently then it becomes those people make the laws because they control the money. That's what it was meant to keep from happening. But then it become uh, became intertwined too much with global banking systems and, and foreign exchange, which is why we have a lot of regulations on um, the exchange of currencies. So that's why um, it's it's very difficult to trade currencies and make money on it like a lot now because mm -hmm. it used to cripple economies when you would have currency wars and you'd have a large bank going and bet money against your currency. You could sink an economy if you just brought in a bank that's bigger than your local economy. So let's say Venezuela. You just put three big big European banks together, they could sink that government's entire economy. Oh, wait, they did. So this is where you go look. Hey, Venezuela's all fucked up right now, isn't it? I'm, it's because they've had governments and banks betting yeah. against them. Yeah. So when you have the capacity for someone to come bet against you, yeah. they're going to do it. Yeah. So if you don't have enough people betting for you, that's all it is, is, is basically... Uh, is, you don't have to have an Illuminati. Mm -hmm. It's just betting odds playing out on a massive scale. Forget any large conspiracy theory. There's no fucking conspiracy theory. It's just when you have the capacity for people to bet against people, yeah. people get bet against. Yeah. Our healthcare system is people betting against uh, our health. Mm -hmm. That's all it is. It's not a conspiracy. Yeah. It's you have the capacity to say, oh, if I'm a if I'm a pharmaceutical company, what are the odds that we can get 60% of these people to take our drugs under the form of depression? It's not a fucking conspiracy. It's them betting against us. Yeah. That's all it is. It doesn't have to. And this is, again, the, simp, the simple Occam's razor approach. Right. Is, it, is it a mass conspiracy? Not really. It's just a bunch of different groups. That have the same motive to act in different areas. They don't have to be coordinated. Right. It just winds up with a very negative situation overall. Every time. Yeah. Every single time. Yeah. And this is kind of where it's like, oh, do you think the CIA is the only gov or the only government organization doing interventions? Of course not. Like this is why we're complaining about Russia intervening in our in our elections. Of course they did. Like mm -hmm. every government <laughs> that has self-interest is going to do something. Yeah, Espionage is not a new thing. It's yeah. it's not even, it's like millennia old. Yeah. It's not yeah. even The like, Romans were great at it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, you know, let, let, anyone who understands history knows espionage is a thousand percent right. not new. Yeah. Information control is a thousand percent not new. I think you have this, like, this portion of the populace that has come back around to trying to tell themselves that but we don't do it now. We're past it now because we live in houses with air conditioning, I guess. You know, like we're more technologically advanced. But we're so not. somehow that means that we decided to be 
better <laughs> creatures, you know. And it's not true. Our nature is very much the same. I mean, you know? even I'm saying even down to the technological advancement, it's it's a false sense of well, technological a, a, advancement. maybe it's, a different form of technology. It, that's you all know? it is, though. Okay. But yeah. we we've, we've told ourselves that we're better right. because we're the ones now. Like we define modernity by ourselves, right. and not we have like given no capacity to the past civilizations right. to have anything more advanced than us or anything modern to the point that you have a huge population of Americans that think fucking aliens built all this shit. <laughs> that shit is so, I cannot tell you yeah. how racist yeah. that idea is. It's, it's so fucking racist. Like, I, I used to be, it's the, I used to be on the alien bandwagon in the sense of like that they had to have built all that old shit, but I've been actually doing a lot of like reading and stuff and like, it's it's just Dude, it's, it's, it is it's, really bad. It's people it's who bad. don't know what they're talking about concerning the art of yeah. these cultures to be like, oh, this is an a UFO. It's not a fucking UFO. I can tell you exactly what it is. Yeah. More than likely, like depending on what it is in the image. Some some s- cultures speak of extraterrestrials, right. not not, not in saying they sense. don't, but they do. The, some of them do speak it in the literal sense, but it's not as convoluted. As Sukulos makes it out to be, or these alien, uh, like the, the to me, ancient the, alien, the ancient theorists. alien theorists, um, <laughs> Eric von Daniken, those people are. There's like a very Christian uh, motive in oh, their yeah. Yeah. in their theories, and there's a very anti-brown people being advanced like line of thought in their thinking, and I, this is where what happens is. If you actually break down a lot of their theories, you can find things to refute what they're saying. So one yeah. of the best examples is there's like medieval paintings that represent, um, there's like an angel in the sky and it looks like he's in something that could be a, 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 UFO. a UFO. Yeah, But it's, it's documented that these are supposed to be representations of the kingdom of heaven. It's not even in question. It's yeah. not even in question. And they're making these things but out. But they just look past that. They misrepresent it. They don't even look past it. They just straight misrepresent it. Yeah. They, Dude, I guess it could be similar to like someone far from the future now who like doesn't have movies coming back and seeing our movies and thinking like they're literal tales. Like a real person yeah. from our world mm-hmm. and like yeah. Harry Potter really existed and It'd be, I feel like it would be like a similar thing to that. I can see Just how that would happen. So what do you was. think of the idea, though, that like human culture built all those things, but we've had resets and that we have a much older history than we that think we That makes way more sense. It's Occam's Razor. Yeah. That makes, and in fact, that's more than likely what happened. Yeah. Because the issue. But that's where you get those stories, like you get flood well, so, myths around the world. Right. It doesn't well, mean so, that like it was this one event that the Bible tells about. That there was a bunch of different cultures at a time where maybe there was just a lot of worldwide flooding. And there but it were was, survivors here and the survivors there and some survivors there. They all reset. They started over. But the the issue is that we were not, we did not have access to certain cultures, uh, mainly Asian cultures from right. the West for up until like the 1800s. So when we're trying to reconstruct history, right. it's without their 
understanding and their continue like they had a lot 6, of them had very old records very that's what i'm saying standing records. what, what well, happened Asia was, would be the oldest wouldn't it like, yes that would be well the, the continuous records that are know. continuous and this yeah. is the issue is when we when we were in the west when i, I said use we loosely right. trying to reconstruct history for like the last 500 years it was in absence of the asian records so there was like no understanding that the asian like cultures had 6,000 years of continuous history. So then they were trying to be like, oh, this is all broken and fragmented. But then what happens is you find out that there's an Asian version. Right. Or a couple Asian versions that allow for the reconciliation so we can, oh, um, or then you also find the Sumerian text of Gilgamesh, which predates the story of Noah, which has the, 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 biblical flood but it's it predates the noah right, version right so then you start to say oh this specific region probably had a flood that didn't even affect uh These guys northern here, china yeah. or uh western japan yeah. oh, so there's things that are happening in one part of the world that define this part of the world that have nothing to do with what's going on over here and they're trying to reconstruct everything without this yeah well that's like, kind of like what we were talking about yesterday it's like back then Back then, like you got to think, like you are around a group of people your entire life. And let's say that group of people is 10, 20 people your entire life. And then one of those people goes to town and has to get supplies or whatever. And then they hear some shit that happened in town. So then they come back to the little bitty tiny village. They're like, dude, hey, motherfuckers, these people in town are talking all kinds of crazy shit. Check this out. So, I mean, but that's like what it was. You got to think hundreds and hundreds of years ago. There's just these tiny little villages all over the place. And then when people are coming by, I mean, that's why like the religious thing spread so easily. And like all this just crazy shit was so easily sp spreadable, I guess you'd say, or so easily, you know, people were talked into things so easy because nobody fucking knew anything. Imagine if you were just with us all the time and then one of us went to town and brought some crazy shit back and you're like, oh dude, check this out. And you're like, what the fuck? You went to town and found that out. And then the next month, another guy goes to town and he brings back some other crazy ass shit. And you're like, what the fuck? Well. What you're talking about is exactly why many people revere the Bible, because it has multiple versions of the same event from different people's perspectives. So yeah. this is where like the, the books of Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, they're all in some ways telling the lead up to a certain event from a different perspective to confirm that event actually happened, which was basically the only way you could confirm things in the past. Right. But what people don't realize is these stories were not created at the same time yeah. that they're claiming to represent. So that's why it's like, obviously if someone's retroactively constructing a story from multiple <laughs> angles, it's easy to make it line up. Yeah. Right. But that's kind of where, again, um, the different versions of the creation story are more important than individual books of religious philosophies in the sense that what we're starting to confirm scientifically has already been explained through the Vedas mm -hmm. or through right. other religions, but in a way that we didn't quite understand because we were trying to take them too yeah. literally. Yeah. And then without the context of the history of those <coughs> yeah. origins of those philosophies. Are you familiar at all with Graham Hancock? Absolutely. So like, yeah. I love how he talks about how he's like, he explains it as like them using a technical language that was for their time. 
And we look at it now and we don't understand their language, their history and how their language came to be. And so this technical language looks very mystical and very you know, strange to us, like it's speaking about these spiritual events, when it could just literally be them trying to explain how ancient technology worked and, and, and how they interacted with these other human beings, yeah. powerful though they may have been, kings though they may have been, you know, like we, they, they considered them God kings and they probably were in a sense, you know, they had access to technology and, and things that it, we don't realize they had at that time. Yeah. Well, have stuff you ever, that maybe got forgotten after a great catastrophe. Have you ever heard that bit that Joe Rogan does about how, like, dumb people just kind of inherited the earth? Mm -hmm. And how, like, you know, all the smart people built all the pyramids and did all this crazy shit back then. But then they just all died off. And then there was just, like, this kind of dumb race Like an of idiocracy people. happening yeah. and then just... Yeah, kind of and then, like, this through. kind of dumb race just, like, shows up at the pyramids one day and is like, Oh, we built this! Yeah. I'm sure that's oh. happened many times. And so, but that—that's the whole thing. Is like, what, I mean, I guess the theory behind it, like what he's talking about, is kind of like what everybody's saying. Is like, yes, there was this advanced technology and this advanced race and this advanced stuff that happened all these years ago, but we've just blindsided it and forgot about it because look, that's what we do with history. We don't teach our children today about Native American history and how that all. I mean, we just choose to erase this out and erase this out and erase this out. So. So all this time ago, what's to say that all those people from then to now didn't do the exact same fucking thing and just be like, oh, we're just going to not tell anybody about this piece of history. We're just going to we're gonna fill this in. We're not going to tell anybody about this piece of history. And we're just going to fill this in a little bit. And then now we're at our place now where we're like, we don't really understand like how any of this happened. Like we have theories and we kind of think, but like that part of history is almost <coughs> lost. You know what I'm saying? And so See, it's... I have a problem with Joe Rogan's framing of humanity in some ways because one of the things that he he like keeps harping on is that competition is like what drives everything and that's like his big like he's stuck on that as like what's driving the force for humanity. Well, my thing is there's no singular driving force. We have a hierarchy of needs and some portions are going to be more driven by different parts of those hierarchies. So this is where to me, the ones that become the most technologically advanced are not the ones that have the most desire for power. So what ends up happening is you have large groups that sometimes become t like technologically advanced in right. some ways, and then you have groups who become desirable of that, and then they come take it by force. Right. Those are two completely separate motivators, and to lump them together because they're all the same species, right. I think is a misunderstanding of psychology, it's a misunderstanding of evolution, and it's a misunderstanding of how societies evolve um, with different motivations uh, coexisting. And this is kind of where um, it's not, I don't think that dumb people necessarily stumble upon these things is yeah. what happens is a lot of times the smart people are focused on certain things and then another group comes in and steals that, what they just built by right. force or by subversion or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then after a while, because those people didn't actually know the intricacies of what they stole, it just devolves into right. looking like, uh, a ceremonial thing as opposed to a functioning thing and this is kind of what i see it what is like anytime you get transitions between languages and cultures it allows for that erasure of history and the disconnect from understanding what happened previously context so, exactly so if, if you're like five languages removed from like two thousand years ago 
you really have no understanding of the historical context of 2000 years ago. See, this ago. thing always is interesting to me because like you hear about a language where it's like, okay, well, we, we translated this language, but we had to do it through ancient Greek. And when we put it through ancient Greek, this is what came out in English. And it's mm -hmm. like, okay, I get that some of those words probably match up. But How the context could be know. completely it off. It is. The grammar is. could be completely off. It is. We really don't know what they were saying. We got an inkling of what they were hinting at, I think. Yeah. And so if they were trying to explain anything of any complexity, I mean, that's just hopelessly lost. Oh, yeah. So, for example, like the Hebrew language was dead up until like the 1800s for the most part. A language that is both numbers and uh, letters in one represents a completely different way of thought. Yeah. That until you understand what those two things mean together, you can't understand the importance of words. Okay. And this is where numerologists kind of, they're like kind of on it, but they don't really understand the importance of numbers. Because they have understood one part of numerology, but they have not understood the interrelated aspects of words and numbers through understanding <coughs> Hebrew most of the time. Yeah. So it's not the only language that does it. But to be able to understand how those things intertwine allows you to make equations that other people can't. And it allows you to have a different understanding of the universe that other people can't. So this is where if you don't understand a language that can be both numbers and words, there's a whole aspect of this universe that you'll just never even be able to get. Right. And you just won't be able to get it. I mean, I feel and like... My, th my, my thing is, I don't think it's an accident that people are, like, removed from those understandings because then you become a dependent on the people that understand those things. Right. Which is what the churches do. Yeah. I grew up in church. I mean, so did I. It, I mean, I feel like I took a good step away from it, but, but I was you, never a happy person. Did they speak Latin in the church you went to? No. Did they speak Hebrew in the church no, you went to? No. You're not even in the you're not even in the same ballpark of what I'm talking about, bro. Right. That church right. is even far removed from that understand like so this is what a lot of people don't understand about like churches. So there'll be a central point of dissemination of information. Right. So if it's like um Lutheran or Catholic yeah. or even Methodist, yeah, uh, and even in Islam, this takes place in some sects. There will be like a specific thing that is meant to be referenced that week from the the given right. book. So it's like everyone's always like reading from the same like, passages. Yeah, planned, across. planned lessons, right? Yeah. Okay. So this is where again, it's like the same in the same way that. Um, everyone's taught to like, not like birthdays are a super recent thing, for example, because only recently have we really lived long enough yeah. to make it like matter that you have birthdays, that you know how old you are. So people didn't understand, like people didn't know how old they are, were up until very recently. That's a super. We're talking like a hundred years ago, a couple hundred years basically. ago, basically. Like, yeah. like yeah. I bet you're as your I think with the rise of industrialism, didn't know exactly how old they were. Okay. Yeah. Just to give you an idea, they probably didn't know exactly. 
Um, so that 20 was like, something. I mean, because hell, people were only living to what forties and stuff back then. And this is like 50s? there's there's like some argument about that concerning what that actually means. But what happens is people don't really think about like how many babies die during the childbirth process. Back that then? that counts. No, anytime. Oh, anytime. Okay. The, yeah. Those babies count in the. It averages out lower. Yeah, the, those babies count in the mortality rate. Yeah. So be, just because you don't see them like grow up and die at a certain age doesn't mm-hmm. mean they don't count in the human yeah. numbers. Um, so that's kind of where it's like when people like if they make it past infancy, then it's like oh they might actually make it to like sixty or seventy. But because so many babies so died, yeah, it, it actually like brought the numbers down. Yeah. Okay. So that but that's why like you might have like eight children and only two of them make it past infancy, mm-hmm. like up until very recently. So that's kind of where it's like the numbers about mortality are like super convoluted, especially because we didn't we're not keeping records too, yeah. like really. Um, and that's kind of where it is like record keeping about certain things. You see what the records are kept about. So you can say, oh, this is like what's most important to society right. at any given point. So then when you're talking about um, like the period where the Bible is being written, like it's not the only right. book. There's a lot of records. There's a lot time. of <laughs> records at that time. So yeah. people are not. Trying to treat this as like a historical, right, accurate record at the time. Yeah, they're absolutely not. There's a and great book called The Historicity of Jesus Christ by Richard Carrier, and they talk about exactly that. It's and, fascinating. And this is kind of where, again, it's like what has happened is people, this is to me like one of the most logical things that has happened. So we look at dinosaurs and we're like, why did brontosaurus become so fucking big? Right. And we know because the um, proportions of the uh, gases in the in the atmosphere were different. Like there was way more nitrogen in the atmosphere, so things. So weight was a different issue. Not even just that. It's that when these things kept growing, it's because their cells weren't deteriorating. The same way that we do now. Okay. So, apply that across other things. What does that mean? This does mean that maybe there was a point in history where humans lived to like 900 or 1,000. Because we had a completely... Their bodies didn't deteriorate. Because the environment was completely different. And you know what else would have happened? They wouldn't need to fuck like goddamn bunnies. (laughs) Because people lived for a very long time. So, you need like three kids. And you and your three kids could like work a farm for like 400 years and right. be fine. Well, if there's all of a sudden a meteor storm and some new element comes into the environment that changes the fucking complete makeup and then wipes out like 70% of the population and maybe there is this group of people that live on the bottom of the ocean, which is more difficult to get to than our moon. And... There's all these things that make sense concerning trying to explain what happened instead of just some fucking random dude sitting on a throne and like this disconnected, like, oh, now I'm going to make angels. Now I'm going to make it fucking flood everywhere. Like, that shit doesn't make any sense to me. But when you talk about the bottom of the ocean, which is more difficult to get to than the moon. Right. That is the place that has had the least 
change change from surface impact events so if right. something if a meteor hit the surface bottom ocean don't give a fuck yeah it has no fucks to give about that so this is where to me that's where the most evolved thing on our planet is it does not care about us it we have this concept oh we rule the land we're, so we're the, the boss but the land is <laughs> king only of the mountain 30 percent yeah the land is only 30 percent 70 percent is water yeah so whatever's at the bottom of the ocean is really the king of this planet or queen or whatever it is. Right. Probably something androgynous. <laughs> and like like along the lines of Cthulhu, maybe. Probably. I really want to believe that. What are your guys' I thoughts mean, on mermaids? Well, here, Did you like, guys see that documentary? That was a good that documentary. Was, that, <laughs> that stated that it was a fake documentary. It did, but I, it was still a good documentary. I'm, I'm going by science. I'm going by science. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I... <laughs> well, have you guys seen cuttlefish? Have you seen yeah. octopi? No, they're they're seen squid? insanely intelligent yeah. creatures. We don't really how, understand that they they're intelligent. Very as long us. time. We still have giant squid. Yeah. Giant squid live a very long time, sea and turtles. they evaporate. Yeah. Sea turtles, massive, hundreds of, sea turtles. of years. Yeah. yeah, and it's because they take their time and do simple things. Yeah. They don't get caught up in the complexities. Right. Of daily bullshit, apparently, and they live hundreds of years. Trees still do sea it. Sea turtles don't yeah. gotta deal with daily bullshit. So again, this to me is like it's not that the idea of somebody living nine hundred years is not out of the realms of possibility. It's just not possible not on our Earth this, as it is now. Exactly, which is why that makes a lot of sense, man. I never even thought of that. Like what has happened? It's like humanity basically became its own enemy and started destroy like. The idea is like it's trying to tell like what I think is trying to be explained in that book is that we were given domain over this and then we fucked up. <laughs> and now that's where we're at. Yeah. Like it's not like, oh, you still have dom dominion over Earth. No, 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 no. Because if you go read the book of Enoch, like there is what got taken out of what we know as the Bible, mm -hmm. it like resolves a lot of the stuff that's in the Bible. Mm -hmm. And a lot of it is like, you can't hate women. Yeah. You can't exploit people. You can't do shit that hurts kids. Yeah. And all of these things cause like when they have the actual, like the war has already happened in text, but it gets removed from the Bible, so people just perpetually are in the state of like, yeah. oh, Jesus is coming back. Jesus. Like, you didn't read the fuck. If you think Jesus, if you yeah. think somebody knows when Jesus is coming back, what parts you read. didn't read the book. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus specifically says the reason nobody knows is because if you tell some, like, it's the, the passage is like, if you're, if you're a homeowner and you want someone to keep your garden, if you tell them when you're going to come back when you leave, they'll just wait till the day you, you come back and clean up the day before, and it's all going to go to shit. Right. So you must tell them, like, I'm not going to tell you when I'm coming back. Yeah. Nobody knows when I'm coming I back. I think that so comes to the to idea that it was the, a mystery garden cult. In order. Yeah, it's the idea that it was a mystery cult, that it's like there's going to be people who are initiated it's and people not, who are uninitiated. It's, it's very explicit. It's not even a question. And this is what I'm saying. People don't read the shit. Right. It's very explicitly but they, stated But I, I think they did that on purpose. They did it to or, make it that mystery cult. They took but, that part out to be like, okay, we're not. We're only going to let in like clergy members in on this part. 
No, 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 no. Jesus specifically says this. This is not the church saying this. In the text, yeah, Jesus says this. But when they cut it out of the text, but it's, it's in, it it's, that part's still in the text. Oh, is it? Yes. Okay. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> People don't read it. Like Jesus gives an explanation as to why he doesn't even know when the date of the return is. Gotcha. Like nobody in heaven is given the date of the return specifically so that humans don't let the planet go to shit. Right. It's specifically explained. And that's what I mean, like, like if somebody, okay, for example, people would be like, oh, this person is the Antichrist, or this person is the Antichrist. If you're trying to say you know who the Antichrist right. is, you didn't read the fucking Bible. Right. You didn't read the Bible. Yeah. Like, it, there are things specifically in the Bible that you will hear people who call themselves clergy members state things contradicting or claim to be people of the cloth or of faith or whatever. Right. And then you're like, like you didn't read. So you did not read. I have a Bible question. Sure. If God created the sun on the fourth day, how had four days passed? That's a great question. That is a, that is a very great question. And this is like one of the inconsistencies of the concept of days. Because if a day is, is based on... Solar periods. Right. And the sun hasn't existed right. yet, how could there be a first day? Right. So this is where Does what a day has become a different increment of time. That and what the terms we use to define our days is not what was actually meant in those texts. So when we're talking about like the Torah yeah. and the Genesis story, we're talking about an entity that is not meant to represent um, a magical um like a magical person on a throne they're really talking about space time this is this is where it comes back to like, like if you the understand, grand procession kind of thing like procession of the equinox kind of but this is kind of like um when they're talking about light and darkness they're almost talking about the big bang okay this is like this is why if you really like break down what is actually being said in these texts. They're trying to explain the Big Bang. Right. Or what we... So again, maybe like a technical language, just in an ancient language. Yeah, exactly. Uh -huh. So then when we talk about what is known as Yahweh, a lot of times, like, so then the, the um, description of Yahweh in Book of Enoch is like, he's like this creature that's made of fire that has this glowing robe that's sitting in, like, it's like a palace that's, like, all moving crystals. So it's, like, almost, like, describing something that's, like, uh, molecular or, right. like, plasma. Right. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So when, you, when, you, when you're trying to extrapolate what is being described, you have to sort of give it, like, the capacity to have another explanation that's bounded in science. Like if right. they're trying to explain scientific things, but they only have these other words, like when you actually break down the Genesis story, like that question is the crux of why it's not dependent on the earth because the earth didn't exist. The sun didn't exist right. for it to be based around our days. So you think maybe they had something almost like a nuclear day? Like, in my understanding of what is trying to be explained, <laughs> it's that 
consciousness predates humans, which it kind of has to. Yeah. Like in the context, like if we're humans and we are conscious in this universe, by proxy, this universe has consciousness. Therefore, to me, it stands to reason consciousness did not originate with us. I've always been like really it had intrigued. had to be innate in this universe. And, it's, and I know it's very hypothetical, but I've always been intrigued whenever you see those pictures where they kind of show like what we can map of what we can see of the universe mm-hmm. and how it looks very similar to like brain cell structure. Yep. Yeah, and it's just like that idea where it's like, wrong, you, know. you know, like a lot of people are like, yeah, but I think that's more coincidence or just like repetition of design. And I'm like, I think it goes beyond that. You know, like, I think that there there can be something to those structures that makes them be things that embody consciousness. Mm-hmm. So what do you what do you think about, like, the people that think, like, the Earth is only 6,000 years old? Fuck them. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, that's, that's my thing is, like, it's hard for me to understand how there are still people out there who think, like, the Earth is flat and who think the Earth is literally, like, 6,000 years old. Uh, so you have there are to, people out there that think the Earth is ten thousand years old. This is a ten thousand like, year old Hebrew text yeah. talking about well, that's King what I'm Solomon. So like, well, that's what I'm saying. It's, yeah. it's hard for me to wrap my brain around people still believing that when we have access to things like the internet and when we have access to things, you know, the computers right, so, and to all these books and all this scientific evidence. But people are still so hell bent on nope, nope, nope. Faith, so, faith, so as faith. someone, so as someone Here. who grew up in a home, yeah. That was very similar to that, or at least in like a, a church community that uh-huh. believed very similar things. Uh-huh. The the belief there, and it comes back to belief, okay. that idea that like you have to have this faith in something that you can't know. Yeah. Right. So you have to take it on faith yes. that there is a God mm-hmm. and there's a devil, mm-hmm. and the devil has it out for you. Okay. Right. So he has created a lot of false stuff and planted it in, in our history. Okay. Right. To deceive you. And that's Which the, Yahweh lets him do. Yeah. Gave him permission to do. True. In fact. True. Okay. That's all that's that's all part of it. Yep. Right. Mm-hmm. So, so you, see, that's, I didn't that's grow where up that in a super religious household. Mm-hmm. So that's why it's very interesting to have these right. kind of talks because my parents were extremely like religiously well, so flexible. To understand my situation, okay. Yeah. I come up out of that. Yeah. And then I go out and I find all of these historical documents and start reading into what what criteria do you use to determine history mm-hmm. and what criteria can be verified? So what do we say we know about history? Mm-hmm. And I look at that and it makes sense to me, mm-hmm. you know. But then all those people that I grew up with mm-hmm. that still believe all that now look at me as the person who found all of the false stuff left by the devil and fell for it. Um... So that's that's the that's the point of going forward for a person who leaves faith, and that's why it is a very big moment for a person okay. because you're literally saying, "I'm walking away from everyone I know, mm-hmm. and okay. I have to go find people that like me again." You that's know, right. <laughs> that kind of a thing, or I have to go and find my place that's in right. a brand new world because I just shut off. AKA the prodigal son, AKA right. Siddhartha. Right. So you know, it's it's a very it's a very hard choice for a person to make. Yeah. It changes how you interact with family members. Yeah, true. You know? true. So it's it's something that you have to appreciate. It's it's not just that easy as saying, "Oh, you flick on the internet and you read a few things." You go, that's "See, silly. I guess that's never been a thing away. for me. That's never and, been a thing for me right. because my given like my birth father's family was was they're very German Catholic, you know that kind of thing. But like it that was never really a huge part of my life. 
and then my mom and my stepdad who raised me, they were more of the mindset of we were moving around a lot. So we were always trying all these different kinds of churches. And it was just like, you know, try this church, try that. Just, just how do you, how does it make you feel? How do you like it? So I have to say, I'm very thankful for that. Like religion wasn't shoved down my throat as a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, and also on the other hand of getting to experience all, I mean, a we would go to these like Southern Baptist churches with the big choirs and the whole thing and mm-hmm. the crazy. And then we'd go to like a Unitarian church mm-hmm. and then we'd right. go to, you know, so it was like really cool because we got to see a little bit of everything. Yeah. Um, and they kind of let us form our own opinions on that matter as well. But, but like I said, it, it, it was so it's foreign to, to it. me. So yeah. people who come to me are like, oh no, like I grew up. You just boo, don't boo, understand boo. the rigidity I don't, of it. Yeah, I can't relate to it. Right. You know, I can't relate to that and because I know nothing about it. Because when know? I was there, I could not relate to what you're saying. Yeah. You know, like I was at a place where I was like to You go, don't go to church three times a week? To, uh, what? You know, like some other like, you know, denomination sermon. Like that's crazy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like it was a big no. thing for me when I first went to a Catholic service no, because no. I was like, this will be different. Oh, it's like going you know? to like a witch, a witch like service. You, know, yeah. you might as well be going and hanging out with witches. Yeah, yeah. it's totally different. Like, it's very ceremonial. All secret phrases. Yeah, they have their 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 vestments and all that yeah. on. All of the different imagery that's fucking everywhere. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know. Whereas I'm like used to growing up in white walls, cross, no crucifix, <laughs> pulpit. People singing, you know, that was Those that's all the more pews. ornamentation you should have. Yeah. You know? So it's a very different thing, you know. And then if you ever go and do something else, like witness Wiccans doing their thing, yeah, or see like some kind of like Lamas ceremony mm-hmm. or something like that, you're like, I mean, it's different. It's as different from Catholicism, you know, as, yeah. as Protestant being Protestant is. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you're like, no, it's a lot of the same stuff. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's, it's people. Like, it's people it getting their spiritual on. You know, for the most part, yeah. there's some there that probably have nefarious motives. I mean, most of it's <laughs> bullshit, though. And this yeah, is where exactly. It's like whether it's somebody bullshitting a bunch of people or a bunch of people bullshitting themselves. Yeah. That's, Does it matter at some point? No, it doesn't. And, it, and that's kind of where I came to <laughs> peace with organized religion because I'm like, well, if people need this to not act a goddamn fool... Okay. Yeah. Yeah, And that's been my take on it. Whatever. My brother has a bit of a different take on it. Like, he believes we need to, like, encourage, like, the species to move. We've already done that, and he needs to learn that doesn't work. Yeah, exactly. You know, and that's what what I was telling you. We've got multiple examples in history of why we don't do that. Yeah. Like, no, 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 no. No, no, no. Exactly. And that's what I always tell people that kind of take that line is I'm like, I know you think you're sounding rational and cool here. No, it's it's completely. But you're talking about things that get scary fast. (laughs) It's irrational and irrational. Yeah, yeah. But <laughs> on, on on like that previous question, like I really want to get back to sure. what was meant in the original Genesis, like original like few verses, because when you talk about the word is God and like this is kind of why I think and the word was with God and the word was, was God. God. Yeah. This is kind of why I think they're trying to imply innate consciousness at this point right. and say this is where consciousness was born right. at the same time as the cosmos were being born as we know them. So it's right. like the co- consciousness is within all the cosmos. That's what they're saying to me at that point. It's not like it almost this like dude. it's the systems that make up the cosmos, exactly, and not like exactly. a mind that's independent of itself. 
It can't be. And that's this kind of yeah. what they're trying to say to me at this point is that, which is also why you have a language that represents numbers and letters with the same thing. Right. This is why that's so important at this point. When yeah. you're talking about thing that is something that is inseparable from everything, it yeah. has to make sense numerically and it has to make sense alphabetically. Yeah. So that text did, yeah. which is why it's super short. Right. The original texts are not very long. Yeah. Then when you start to getting in these, the actual Bible, um, I think it's like five of, it's like what? Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy are the only five books of the Bible that are taken from the Torah. Right. Those are the only things. And it's not that the Torah is limited to those books. Those are the That's only just places. What we There's another term for it I heard. I took Old Testament college. It's called the Pentateuch. Pentateuch? Pentateuch. Pentateuch. Yeah. Is that what it is? Yeah. The first five. Yeah. Yeah. And I forget the specific names, but yeah, that those those first five are the only actual direct from the Torah, from the Torah. actually from Hebrew, yeah, huh. culture and, and tradition. Right. Which is why. And after are... that, it becomes all the prophets. It's all bullshit. After you know, that. yeah, it's, it's all bullshit. It's it's a goat herd from the desert. Yeah, no, God's no, no, no. Every everything and, after those five yeah. is absolutely hundred percent bullshit. <laughs> yeah. And it should not be yeah. taken as anything but, especially if you're talking about King James Forward. Yeah. So this is kind of where it's like... I think people... And that's, that's the thing. That's, as a that's not debatable. Up, it's not debatable. Right. And again, as someone who grew up in it, like they don't tell you that. Yeah. Like They tell you that there is a good historical source mm -hmm. for these books and why you should listen to them. Like It is told to you that these are like written by the people they're named after mm -hmm. and that they recorded it all down... Because God told him to. And it's for all your legit. Sake, right? Yeah. So it's like once you realize that none of them were written by anyone who's supposed to, whose name's on the book or yeah. who's even in the book for that <laughs> matter, right? And that in most cases, the book was written at best 60 years after the events in a time period where 60 was probably more a likely than lifetime. a much more realistic t lifespan. Yeah. Know? So unlikely that that guy who lived in these events was alive 60 years later to write him down and when it's 120 years well now we're just getting silly <laughs> so this this exact situation is the origin of the satanic verses from the quran yeah in the sense of the whole reason there's like sunni and shia is because like when the religion started they were trying to claim like that it was genetic yes like one one i forget which one off the top of my head one claimed that you can only be a prophet if you're related to muhammad and then the other's like so you can be a prophet if god speaks to you basically. my understanding was that the shia the shiites believed that ali who was muhammad's son inherited the prophet gene that he was to be the new caliph the sunnis believed that that was bullshit so it was purely genetic muhammad was the prophet and that he now that he's fallen there is no prophet now which sect is it, for whoever's listening that may not know, that is the one that kind of backs the terror, what we call the Neither terrorism. one. So neither one. It's like the Wahhabi are like the most extreme like supporters of that. So okay. it's like it's it's like even more convoluted. Yeah. And that's where As it's things like, usually are. And that, and what, what you'll find out like the news headlines. Is like the Wahhabi <laughs> don't actually understand anything about Islam. So it's like anybody who's actually representing Sunni or Shia, like technically probably aren't fighting anybody. Yeah. So that's kind of where it's like, yeah. 
while you'll go to fucking Singapore <laughs> and have a billion Muslims that aren't fighting anybody. Yeah. Because in creating the divide, they lost their momentum. They had world momentum. And I mean, yeah, I feel like it was one of those world events kind of like you see where like, well, you know, not in the same way in any sense, but like the same amount of like world intensity is like the whole thing of World War Two. You know, there was a wave of like a way of thinking that kind of was catching hold and then it ground to its inevitable halt and got squashed. You know, but it's going to come back and it's going to get squashed and come back. And people have something in our nature where it it makes us susceptible to it, I think. It's not necessarily part of who we are and it's not something we always have to do. But whenever we let the right, wrong people get the, get the microphone, yeah. you, you get these people who tend towards these these bad things, these, these negative vibes that overtake whole culture sometimes. Absolutely, but this is... the. Islam is complex because in many ways it kind of represents um, what we were talking about earlier where there's like a mass accumulation of wealth and knowledge and then it deteriorates right. as they get more disconnected. Right. So like the golden age of Islam is where we get like most of our star charts from yeah. or our capacity to like navigate the seas in the best capacities in, in a lot of ways, yeah. like historically. So there's like a lot of things that are coming out of um, Islamic science at that time period that get disconnected when Islam becomes more mystical uh, because the people are less educated on purpose. Right. So then the more people drift into mysticism and disconnect from science, the easier it is to say Islam is... Uh, a mystical right. based uh, religion when it historically that's not accurate right. and in fact like one of the reasons that um, the empires became wealthy is because Muhammad was a merchant so yeah. it was based on building economically viable communities around a mosque so if you go see how they like built the mosques there's like yeah. um mercantile areas around every mosque that's like part of the design so that's where a lot of their wealth came from but then once they got disconnected from um the things that originally made them wealthy right it's when it started to decline and now it's like a bunch of wealthy empires basically disconnected from science yeah in, in most cases so it's like I mean, it becomes very easy whenever something stops being allegory and starts being literal truth yeah. to take it really the wrong way, mm -hmm. you know? And it, it is that thing. And I think all of those kind of, those those allegories are, they're just a misunderstanding of what was trying to be said because we are so far removed now. And it's an unfortunate thing. I think it it's the thing that, that plagues humanity the most mm -hmm. is our ability to forget our own past. You know, we, we like to think that we're these amazing creatures because, like you said, we write it all down. But what do we wind up really writing down in the end? <laughs> we write down our own version at that moment. So, do we want to take a break? Yeah. All right, so let's take a break for just a little bit, and we'll be back to talk about a few more things. <clears throat> okay, so we're now back from our break. And we are back. We're Facebook Live right now. What's up, everybody, on oh, the old Facebook? It's always scary. I never know what's going to come out of your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> True. 
If there's a bear, I'm a poker. Um, Hello. So, yeah, so now we were just talking about, <laughs> on the break, what were we coming in here to talk about? Um, uh, cop shootings, right? Yeah. Yes, police shootings. So you're talking about, like, the disturbing kind of trend to okay, it. Okay, so, all right, so I did a little bit of research, and I was, yeah, I'm busting out the old notebook. Okay, so I'm doing a little bit of research here, and so, thus far in 2018, there has been... 12 or 212 police killings in America in the United States and that's just in 2018 67 of them were white 33 of them were black 21 of them are Hispanic three were other and 88 are unknown I thought that was kind of fucked up right 88 people unknown just unknown in what sense like the race the racism. I mean, though. some people can be very racially ambiguous. But check Does it really this matter, out. though? Like, it was still a shooting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's the ultimate But check this there. out. This is weird, too. 200 of them are male, and only 8 of them are female. Isn't that nuts? Yeah. 200 of them were male. And I mean, is it really surprising, though? No, it's not that surprising. Men are but by I'm just far saying, aggressive like, to yeah. an extreme. These, you just said these are police shootings mm-hmm. in 2018. Are these like... Are some of these people criminals? Are some of these... Are <laughs> does that matter? Are these does all, that matter? I feel like it's yeah, all men. Does it? I feel it? like it does matter does a little it? bit. Does it mean that I they have I feel like criminal record Were any is... of those people... Were, did the cop have a legit... Like, were they legit... So that Correct. doesn't have to do with the criminal record. My my thing is, I I hear this question, and what happens is you have military protocol that does not allow for like that type of response in a lot of the scenarios in which cops respond with fatal, um, like or lethal force. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like you're in combat scenarios, you're not as allowed to respond with lethal force in every situation. Yeah. So that's kind of where it's like. Is that even a legitimate argument? Right. I guess I'm I don't at, think so, personally. I guess I meant was was every were all of those shootings uh, on an unarmed person? Oh, I don't know. Like, those it, was it one of those situations? No, no, no. These, these, or were there armed? Or was it just any any person? Any person twenty eighteen by a police officer. Regardless yes, of what yeah. they were doing, this doesn't yeah, break it down. Like these statistics, I didn't get that deep into. Okay. It. That's um, I'm sure if you I don't got know deeper if anyone even it. keeps track of those statistics. Like that's the thing yeah, with a lot of that might. information that's is true. that there's not even anyone who keeps track of that particular number. It's yeah. something we can think of because we can look at that number and understand that there's different circumstances in that number. Mm-hmm. But yeah. no one's actually gone through and dug all through the files and made sure they're all categorized. Mm-hmm. I mean, but we do know that but, they carry around fucking yeah. fake guns to plant on people. That's true. Show. Very so that's true. the shit we can prove, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know. So this is kind of where it's like, my thing is like, why are we hypothetically trying to defend the cops, like in these scenarios where they're killing people? It's like, what, what, what's the like, uh, mitigating circumstance? Like, can we find the mitigating circumstance that like exonerates that police officer? Like to me, that's the predisposition in a lot of these cases, and it's like, there is a weird punishment culture in the United States where people are like, well, did they deserve it? Like, a lot of times you'll hear people, like, their first response for anything, did they deserve it? And it's like, what the fuck does that even mean? I think that's based on the fact that we have such a history of 
I mean, it comes from religion. It comes from culture. No, absolutely. The idea absolutely. that there are things that are punishable. There are things that you should be punished for. And I'm like anyone else. It's like, where do you draw a line if you mm -hmm. have a line? You know, like it's hard. Who gets you see to people that do calls. horrible things yeah. to people and your response is that you want to see horrible things done to them. But at the same time, is that justified? That's what we call blood feud. Right. You know? And so it's that whole thing where it's like, at what point do you start taking responsibility for being a rational being and saying, okay, the violence shouldn't have ever happened in the first place. There's no need to perpetuate it. But what do you do with those people? Exactly. And that's, that's where we're supposed to be drawing the line as a civilized society. <clears throat> but then there's also these people <clears throat> who want to claim to be civilized, right. but also uh, advocate for capital and corporal punishment. And I can't, I don't think you can be both personally. That's just my point of view. Right. But uh, what happens is my capacity to have that point of view ends up getting threatened when people want to believe in capital and corporal punishment and then make my point of view illegal. So this becomes the potential threat of living in a society that allows capital and corporal punishment to be extended to things that are not uh, like anytime you start to allow that type of backlash, you can allow that to be the punishment for anything that you decide. So Galileo, right. for example, Galileo is one of the great examples that we can point to to say, right. oh yeah, he died for his fucking ideas. And when we talk about McCarthyism, surely there's people who died in some scenarios because of their ideas and they may not have even had those ideas. Right. So this is why it becomes dangerous to start defending um, execution of capital punishment or corporal punishment, especially in the streets without right to, to trial. Right. Yeah. Even in the case where there's supposedly a weapon on the scene because we don't know if that was the actual case. Unless the fucking cops have their body cams right. on, which they turn them off. Right. Mm -hmm. And we've seen multiple times cops turn off their body, or think they turn off their body cams, plant evidence, yeah. and we know that. <laughs> so this is, it's like, of course there's criminals out there. Of course there's people that are going to shoot at cops. Right. Yeah. yeah. But if the cops had a, a fucking Kevlar shield, guess what? You can just wait that dude out. You don't have to shoot him back. Right. So there's non-lethal, there's non-lethal ways to... Um, subdue people right and it's like we know there's not like so let me let me just put this out there say someone that's taken people hostage um you can't shoot that person if they are in the vicinity of those hostages so what do you have to do you have to negotiate that is an intellectual recourse to that scenario right. which is usually the main one we take so if we're talking about um Putting police in a situation where their first recourse is lethal force. Right. That's obviously not right. not an intelligent way to approach it. So we have a police force in the United States that are trained to respond <sighs> lethally. Right. From the onset. And don't even have good training at that. Like, I don't know if you've ever, anybody's ever, like, looked at, like, the training that cops go through with their weapons. It's fucking, like, the shit we see on the movies with the, the, like, good guy, bad guy popping up. Right. They don't go through that bullshit. Right. That's, like, shit that maybe FBI right. special agents might go through. Yeah. 
Like, they may go through that. A lot of that shit people think that cops do is, is fucking movies. Right. Most of the time, if a cop actually goes through training, it's just them shooting at a, at a fucking target on a range. Right. Like, they don't even have to be trained in, like, proper draw technique necessarily. I mean, they do get, like, the initial training, but they don't have to necessarily, like, Continue drill it. With it. Right. Yeah. Like, in the way that they should. So that's where it's like... They don't have the military type training that that because if they did, they they would not respond lethally because that's not the way the fucking military responds. Yeah, yeah. yeah. If they had a had a better structure of a of a training system. The the I think the weird thing is is it's like you see that a lot though in 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 things like police departments where it's largely like a locally funded like civic entity, right? A police department, mm-hmm. and so a lot of times stuff like that gets run really badly Mm -hmm. you know like i'm not pointing fingers because i really don't understand it well enough to do that Mm -hmm. but i can recognize the problem that they're usually run very poorly but then you also don't want to get into privatizing necessarily because that has its whole other just mess of snakes to deal with Mm -hmm. so it's it's usually a question of trying to find where's that balance in learning to run things from like a a profitable standpoint yeah well it still has you know oversight by the public you know? I mean, <laughs> so that te- it doesn't get that dirty you know these are supposed to be the things that we have decided as a unified civilization or a country that we had agreed upon right but then they started devolving yeah. so then it's like um the whole point of police was to serve and protect right. the community right. originally. They're supposed to be peace officers. Then they got militarized. Right. And that's that's not all like they were not always militarized. They were not always um out to protect military industrial complex. Right. Like yeah. that's not always what cops were. That's what they are now. Yeah. If if cops were out to serve and protect there wouldn't be a song called "Fuck the Police." Right. That yeah. song would not exist. Yeah. It'd be like "Love the Police," right. "Love right. the Police." Yeah. That's what the song would be if the cops really served and protect us. Mm-hmm. Like, because, like, <coughs> my thing is, if if I, as a person who's supposed to be a citizen of the United States, felt like the police officers that I encounter that follow me around were out to actually protect me. Right. I wouldn't, my heart would not race when I'm not doing anything wrong. The right. whole reason it races is because I might fucking die. Right. I might fucking die just by being around those dickheads. Right. Because they're fucking not trained correctly. Right. They're like, look at me and they're like, oh, this dude's a threat. Oh, he might have a gun. I'm going to fucking get on my guard. And they start following me. They start following me and I'm like, why are you following me? I'm just trying to go to fucking lunch. Right. I'm just trying to go home. And I like that's that's how it starts. That's how it starts. And then the cop pulls you over. Why are you nervous? Cause you're fucking following right. me, asshole. You've been following me for fucking Shit, three miles. I get fucking nervous when they're yeah. following you know? me. You know, everybody does. And it could just if be you, over a tail light. I, I don't, don't realize matter. that. If you follow somebody, yeah. they're gonna get nervous. If yeah. it's a bad person, if it's a good person, if it's a cop, if mm-hmm. it's a dude in plain clothes, if it's a woman, if somebody starts following me. And I don't know why they're following me. And there's no reason that person to be following me. I'm going to be like, what's going on? What's going on? And I'm going to get nervous. That is just a biological reaction of being followed. So when you have these dudes out here following people, 
and then just start harassing them for no fucking reason? Of course there's going to be people that yeah. get killed when they're first, oh, put your hands on the wheel. You I know, think there's a lot to be said for like the police should come from the community they live in. Absolutely. Because you used to have this thing in America and they, I think it's part of the America they think they want to make great again is they had this nature, at least whenever the police were of the same like culture as the people they were policing in these small towns, it was this very much like, hey, Bill, how you doing? Oh, not so bad, Ted. And hey, look, I caught your kid smoking down by the pond, but I, you know, I, I gave him a whack upside the head or whatever. He's good now, Here's you know? Me. You know, That's a and peace that, officer. That, you know, and that whole kind yeah. of thing, you know, it's like, it's like, okay, thanks, man. You know, I'll talk to him. The when Andy I get Griffith kind of and thing. Barney Fife. Right. Mm-hmm. But like, you could do that because you knew everyone. Yeah. You know, <laughs> like you, I know your kid. So if I catch your kid doing something he's not supposed to do, I can be like, dude, fucking up, man. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So it's just that whole thing where it's like, once you have these guys who get hired from across the country to come over here and police these people, and he doesn't even live in the same neighborhood as them, well, he I, has no no knowledge of who they are, and he has no encouragement to get to know them. Mm-hmm. And it's sad because it does come from both sides at this point. Yeah, There's the culture of, do not get to know that cop. They're all mm-hmm. a dirty bastard, you know? And this guy's like, don't get to know any of them. They're all dirty bastards, you know? And so it's just this whole hostility thing now. Mm-hmm. So how do we get to that point where we can have those cops again? I mean, A, we've identified police got to come from your community. But what else do you think it's going to take to get to that point? Here's my thing. So I lived in Istanbul for a little bit. So there's like... The cops aren't all good. I'm not going to say that. But only living in Istanbul have I ever... Had a cop offer to have tea. Yeah. You know? When yeah. have you ever had a cop ask you, hey, you want to go have some fucking tea? You want to yeah. go have a drink? Yeah. When? When? In America. Instead, they just hang out with each other at bars that are all yeah. pretty dominated by other police officers. When have you ever rolled around with a cop Yeah. in America? Just, like, if you had something wrong where you had to call the cops, Yeah. did they let you ride around with them? Dude. No. Of course not. The last time I asked a cop for help was my my battery died, and I went to him. I said, "Do you have jumper cables?" And he said, "No, they're not allowed to. We're not allowed to carry jumper cables in our cars." And then I like I just had to walk away. That doesn't even make sense. Of course, that does not even make sense. Oh, look at something with our like wiring and our the technology we have in our cars. Jumper. I was like. Whatever, right, dude. Like, You're not even you gonna like help radio just, for help yeah, or something. Just, whatever. I'll just go back. And <laughs> so, so if that cop had been like, "Oh, I got a battery jumper in my car. Let me help you out real quick, buddy." You know how much he would like cops. Yeah. yeah. You know how much he would be like, "Oh, fucking cops, awesome." So you know how the that fender of my car is all falling off. Mm. Cop did that. Yeah. Uh, my uh, car broke down at an intersection. I got out and I was working on it. He told me to jump back in. He's like, "I'll push you." I was on a hill. So instead of like easing up next to me to like pu- push me with his car, he rammed it, and it, so it, it like I didn't get quite make it. Well, the next uh, entrance was exit only from a car wash, so I didn't want to pull in there. So he's like, "What the hell are you doing?" And I'm like, "That's exit only." So he he got mad, so he rammed me even harder, Ugh. and started ramming me up the hill, <laughs> and I just kept on like I was getting whiplash over and over. And, like uh, what in the hell? Like that's I, my whole thing. And then he drove off, and I look, and my rear end looked like that. <laughs> Jeez. A couple weeks ago, I did see a, a car, a guy's car died in the middle of the road, and a cop jumped out, helped him push. The sad thing is, is that was surprising. Yeah. Because be a lot of times you see people on the side of the road, and cops just pass on yeah, by like everyone else. 
Did you, you know, know like, that if you're if you're in your cop car and you're off duty, by the law you're supposed to pull over and help any vehicle you see on the side of the road? Yeah, I do that too. Like if you're off, that's why a lot of like off duty officers won't drive their cars. Right. Mm. But like if you're of course, if, of course, yeah. <laughs> they don't want to really help people. Not they just want to if use you're off job. duty it's and you're paycheck. in your police car and you see someone on the side of the road broken yeah. down, like by law you're supposed you to. Pull up, but you are the law, so I mean, you know, who's gonna bust you? You know, I mean, that rare occasion that somebody calls and be like, "Motherfucker, I was broke down out here on the road." An officer, car number two forty-seven. But see, that's what needs to happen. That's what needs to happen. That's what needs to happen. Absolutely, a situation where it's like, look, it's like I get you're doing this as a job, and I'm sure a lot of them are underpaid. I know that's always a thing that gets brought up, and I, I don't know. I would assume, much like our teachers, they're underpaid. Yeah, but nevertheless. It's more than just a job. It's got to be more of a lifestyle. It's got to be something you're doing because you want to do it. Yeah. Just like being a firefighter. You're on call. They can call you at any time and say, there's buildings burning down. People are dying. We need to be there. We need to help them out. Yeah. And you got to be like, cool, I'm down. Yeah, there's when no you're... Yeah. called, fuck the EMTs. No. Fuck the firefighters. No. Yeah. no. <laughs> no. Do you think... I mean, I know there's a lot of volunteer firefighters out there. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. why why don't people hate firefighters? Fuck the National Guard. Right! <laughs> <laughs> why, why don't people hate yeah. these, these other entities the same way they hate the cops? Right. It's not an accident. No, no I mean it's, not. it's, it's and, because and people want to want to stand up because they feel like they need to defend the ones that do do their job. Those men, they separate themselves by their very nature. Absolutely. There are wonderful heroes that we have amongst yeah. all of our departments, but among the cops, it's unfortunate that it feels rarer and rarer on a daily basis. Yeah, what you gotta like give them praise for doing their fucking job. Yeah. Like, those guys that were yeah. like, oh, good job for being the exceptions. That's what you're supposed to be doing. Yeah. But we don't have, like, people are so, blue lives matter. There's no fucking thing as blue lives, people. Yeah. Like, it's like, it's a they're, choice. They're, uh, they're supposed to exactly. be Exactly. Right. Exactly. They're supposed to be Americans. Those people are supposed to be protecting Americans. Mm-hmm. They're not supposed to be this separate class of people that are specially protected by the law. Well, that's like... Elected officials are supposed to be that, but they're not supposed to be above us. They're supposed to be serving right. us. <coughs> Once again, all of these people are meant to be our servants. Right. Servant. Yep. It's they're not supposed, supposed to be to, a career. They're supposed to define yeah. that word for the public. Yeah. And then you got these people within America who make it like they make people like me out to be. Um, unpatriotic if I say that right. when in fact that's what this country's patriotism is rooted in yeah. is speaking out against tyranny of the fucking majority yeah. that is the most American thing people could possibly do with their voice and I think it's ridiculous that people have, have began to began to they've just kind of let it happen is that you you no longer make a differentiation between the organization and what it's supposed to stand for like, you can believe in America and think that American politics are fucked up. Mm-hmm. Like, you can believe in America and think that the military should never be used on the populace, but if they are, you should be able to resist. Like, you should be able to believe all those things and be a patriotic American. It's just that you can no longer differentiate now. Yep. You're locked in whatever zone you're in. Sorry. Yeah. So that's just crazy <clears throat> thing. 
I am. I'm sorry. I get really worked out. <laughs> but you know, that's it's it's a really truly sad thing because I think that's a bigger event than we've realized. Yeah. I think when we stop being able to do that, and we got very polarized. We we don't realize how much it's began to damage us. We're only mm-hmm. starting to see the little cracks, and pretty soon they're going to be really big fissures. And that's when history is going to remember us from a very scary point of view. And and this kind of like when people will have their ideological like trenches that they'll dig themselves into. Yeah. But this is kind of why like when you have a view that I don't agree with, if it's like something that I believe is important for humanity, that's why I'll challenge you on it and not from a point of like, oh, just he's like a left or right wing or something, or he's like not right. And I got to be right about this. It's more so like, when we're talking, like, I'll, I'll use the example of homelessness for, for the sake of this conversation. If we're discussing the problem of why homelessness affects our culture in such a way that we need to really reassess, like, how we treat homeless people. Like, if we are in a place where we are using government to protect things over people, and what I, what I mean by that is if... There is a home that has been foreclosed upon. It's going to basically sit there empty, sit there unused. There's millions, I don't know. (coughs) We'll say hundreds of thousands of those across this country that could be occupied by people in a way that is not necessarily, it doesn't have to be subsidized by the government, but if we restructured our society in a way that was focused on people instead of things, Mm. homelessness shouldn't be a thing. Right. Like there should be no people right. in this country that don't have a residence. Even so if they when just we blame... made it something where like those people have utilities turned on, they're willing to take care of the home. Right. They're willing or... to keep it up. And if someone needs to live there if you want to keep the home to where it can one day be a value to sell. And then you could just give that person another one of those homes. Even just even more removed from that. Just like the concept of like if think about this, if we as a society make it so that there's no person in this country that has to worry about shelter right. that becomes like that is one of the biggest things on the hierarchy of needs. If we remove that from the entire country's like worries, then we can start moving on to thinking about higher things as a country. Right. Like right now, homelessness is still one of the big things we have to argue about yeah. because we haven't solved that problem. If we just say, oh, we're going to fix homelessness as one issue on the Maslow's hierarchy of needs. That's a major thing. Right. So we're talking about shelter. We're talking about eating. We're right. talking about reproduction. And we're talking about a sense of self-manifestation or self-actualization. So this is good for what kind of what you're talking about. So this is an article that says, talking about the United States could end homelessness with the money that the Americans use to buy Christmas decorations every year. They said it would cost the government around $20 billion for the government to effectively eliminate homelessness in the United States in housing and urban development, officials told New York Times on Monday, December 11th. The number is not that high. So I think the biggest argument you face there is that people always try and make this issue out of it where it's like, well, yeah, but like you can't just keep giving people these, like everything, or else they just depend on the system. I don't, okay, so. But when you look at that number, it's like, you, you guys lose that in the budget every year. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, more than that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Every year. So, but the thing <laughs> is, is so... You could just end it. It doesn't matter. I guess my question would be, mm-hmm. 
if we took these homeless people and if we did all of this and if so what would be the next like if we fix the issue what keep going no keep going no if we if we fix the issue then what comes next like how does that issue stay fixed how is there not going to be more what am i do i have something no 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 keep going you keep you you keep going so i i don't know i feel like are you trying to say like what uh so like if we if we just give these homeless people this stuff like what how are they how are they what's next how are they productive to society yeah are they producing do they have to have that productive value in the traditional sense well, and well, no, I'm just saying to what degree are they going to be productive in their community? So, are they going to grow vegetables in a garden where they all share and they can all eat or what? What do they get jobs? How do they start the next yeah. step of their life? So now they're not homeless anymore. What's next? Well, for you got to get there to find out. Here's here. Okay. That's a, that's a great segue. So have you ever heard of the Kardashev scale? <laughs> have you ever heard of the Kardashev scale? No. Have you ever, anybody ever heard of the Kardashev nope. scale? No. Can't say that. So that is basically the scale that defines the efficiency of a civilization at large. Okay. Do you know where we're at on that scale? No. We're at zero. Okay. Because we're not very efficient as a species. Um, I can see that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you're living it. Yeah. So um, what happens is, as you start to approach type one civilization... You master the power of your planet, um, but what that also brings is the capacity to destroy yourselves because you're mm-hmm. gaining the power of a planet. Yeah. Kind of like we're on the verge. Mm-hmm. Um, so what you see when you're crossing over to a type 1 civilization from a type 0 yeah. is many of them will not cross to type 1 because they will destroy themselves with the technology before they cross to type 1. Okay. So maybe like the South American cultures that or potentially famines. maybe hundreds of thousands of years before. Yeah. This is what's happened multiple times as to why yeah. we have these random stories about right. mythological beings yes. having all this knowledge. Yeah. Maybe more they even likely, triggered the events that caused their exactly. fall. Exactly. So it's more than likely because we've come to the point before where we almost get type one and then we destroy ourselves right. or bring it back to real zero and not. 0.9 we're probably like i think the last time we did a calculation was like 0.7 or 0.8 or something i i don't know off the top of my head so we're getting close to one we're so close that we are almost always worried about destroying ourselves completely imploding on ourselves that said yes when you solve a problem like homelessness, you're moving into uncharted territories because we've never done that as a species as we know yeah so when you're talking about um, what happens to the species after we saw homeless? I can't fucking tell you because we've never done it. We've never been that efficient yeah. as a species. So this is where if we can finally put our petty fucking differences behind and be like, it only takes $20 billion to solve this huge problem and we can stop thinking about this one problem. Yeah. Look how long it's taken us to... Dude, we haven't done it. We haven't done it yet. Yeah, this yeah. one problem, this $20 billion problem, yeah. when we're like throwing trillions and trillions of dollars away at stealing other people's resources yeah. to quote unquote use them more efficiently because we think we're better, what happens is um, nationality becomes a hindrance on the 
progress of a species. We've hit that mm-hmm. point of diminishing returns where nationality does not have humanity's best interests at heart anymore. Mm-hmm. It has its own government's interests at heart. So that's why our government is working against us in a lot of cases because they're trying to preserve themselves, yeah. not humanity at large. Yeah. Right? Whether it's Chinese, Euro- fucking U.S., Russian, whatever, European Union. They're looking out for number one. They're man. all looking out for number one. Right. And they're not working together. Even yeah. even amongst the nation, they're looking out for number one. Exactly. You know, it's the whole idea. Exactly. Like, I, that's I, what, I always love to use Rome as a great example for America right now. But that's biological imperative. Yeah. Why, why should we expect anything different? I mean, we shouldn't, but my, my belief has always strongly been, once you become aware of a flaw such as that, it's now your job to find the way to overcome it. You know? And that's as a species, as human beings, it's as an individual... It's just everything. Once we become aware of a flaw in ourselves, there's no sitting around saying, well, I'm just lazy. No. Figure out a way to not be lazy. Like, figure out what drives you and get going. Yeah. If it means, you know, I lie a lot. Well, start practicing a better path and tell the <laughs> truth a little more often. Yeah. You know? like, like <laughs> So it's just one of those things where it's like, as a species, we've come to that point where we can now say, well, yeah, we know we have this problem. We have this flaw. Well, now it's time to fix it. You know? So it's like that whole thing, like Rome would always have that problem where like there were people who were Romans, then there were people who were Roman citizens, but came from all over the known world and looked very different from Romans, right? And Romans didn't think of them as equal people in the lot. They expected Rome to always be protected and insulated and let everyone else perish if need be. And that's what you have now. Mm -hmm. You have it in the fact that we have African-American communities, Indian communities, we have, you know, Native American communities. And all of those communities, if we're being really honest, are considered to be the outrunners. The ones that can, you know, the take, take all the hits if need be. <laughs> and the rest of us will still be good because this is what it's always been, at least as far as we know. You know. And so that's that whole idea of an empire. Is mm-hmm. that you pick up all these people and you're like, yeah, okay, you're, you're one of us now, but you're still you. you yeah. Know? And then you do that with a bunch of different people, and it seems great at first, and it could continue to be great well, if we so, maybe adopted some of Chris's ideas. <laughs> well, so, but I, I think you know? I think we live but in a segregated society, though, and that's that's we a do, big and that's part of what I think that the segregation, and I don't, I don't know, it's it's hard for me to say, but like, like I look at it as everyone's segregated, mm-hmm. and everyone chooses to be segregated. It's, you know, people talk, they want equality and they want equal and they want this and they want that. But at the same time, they want that segregation. They want that separate class. Like I, you know, like if a person is a homosexual and part of the gay community, like that's what they are. They're segregated. I think in that situation, finding someone who's who's coming together as a community out of a need for protection, a mm -hmm. need of security. Those people aren't going together necessarily just because they only want to live around people like themselves. They have been threatened up to this point. So then you have places like, you know, in New York City where you have Chinatown. You have, you know, different different areas where people want that segregation. They want that that separation of whatever. And I don't think it's necessarily, there's not Again, a I think unity you're missing the amongst history, human beings. The history of it wasn't because they wanted to. It was yeah. because they needed to to survive. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like that, history, that's some... now that might be something of what's going on in there. But it started out so as how a do thing we, of saying, how do we right here's the line that we don't cross something. How do we stop you know? the segregation and start the... Well, I think now that we're aware of the problem, it's again. like, 
it what it really comes down to is sex. Yeah. Sex. I mean, to be fair, sex is the only answer to this. People have to fuck away the differences. And we'll all just be beige one day. Exactly. It's fine. That's, I mean, yeah, that's the have, only Have you ever seen a beige answer. guy that didn't look pretty damn handsome? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we'll have you seen the be... beige ladies? They're, they're and, attractive ladies. And it's they'll like, it may sound absurd, but biologically, that is the answer. <laughs> you're right. When there's, no more, right. when there's no more separation. Yeah, I There's agree. no more... Yeah, I would agree. It's with like that. we're almost there. We're close. We're it, close. It'll be interesting because I feel like you do have like the younger generations now do tend more towards those kind of ideas, and so as they kind of become, and we become the you know the older generation, they become the middle generation, and then there's another younger one. Like I'll be interested to see what things look like, because I feel like we could do it really well. I feel like we've got some potential to do it really well. I feel like we're on the cusp as a civilization of knowing some things that like have eluded us for a long time. Yeah. You know, but it's it's going to depend on if the people who just always seem to want to get in everyone's way are allowed to have their way. You know, and it's time we as a species now that we can recognize that there are different personalities in the mm-hmm. spectrum of man and some of them are more predatory than others. We need to be able to identify those people and say I get why you're predatory and it makes you very clever. But you had to be held accountable. Yeah. So do what you do and do it well. The rest of us will love you for it. My, but we're going to address the issues when they come. Yeah. yeah. It's like what I see is we're a species with amnesia and multiple personality disorder. Right. As a unit. Yeah. We are we are a social species that believes we have individual identities. But we do technically have individual identities. For the sake of the propagation of the species. Right. Because it's interdependent. And there's an interdependency that is not understandable back to this duality of like representing two things at, with the same framework. It's the, if you can't understand the necessity of an individual identity for the sake of the propagation of the species, you would never understand either or. Right. And that's kind of why it's like you people who don't believe in evolution but have kids. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like how, how can you propagate your species and not believe in evolution? Right. So you're saying that they're not going to grow in some capacity? I, I do think it's interesting how like that whole topic of like race, given that, I mean, if we're being scientific about it, there's no such thing as race. Absolutely. There's ethnic background, mm-hmm. but there's no race. They're two very different yeah. things, but mm-hmm. we always let them be interchanged with each other. But if we can get back to that whole thing of saying, okay, well, if there is no such thing as race, then why don't we care if these other people survive or not? Because we allow people to have unscientific conversations dominate the mass language or the, the mass conversation. That's like what ends up happening. Is like <laughs> You can't have people who don't know what they're talking about, yeah. who are proud... Yeah. to be lying about something and be able to be like, oh, I lied about this. Yeah. Look how fucking awesome I am. I deceived this guy. Right. As being the people who dominate conversation because then people are fucking stupid. Right. And this is where you find things like, okay, why does our government protect lies so much? Right. Why? Because it keeps them in power. 
Because if you don't know what they did, you've got no reason to stand up and say no more. Why would a government protect lying so much? Yeah. Because then you find out yeah. in China, one of the things that they do really well is if you lie and it gets to more than 5,000 people, you can go to jail for that. Yeah. And it's like, why, why isn't that a law here? Yeah. Why is that not a fucking law here? Right. Oh, communist China. Uh, that's a good law. I don't yeah. care about the rest of them. Let's talk about that specific law. Right. That's a fucking good law. If I you agree. if you lie and it propagates to more than five thousand people, you should be liable for that shit to the point of being a fucking criminal. I've always Why believed, do we not have that here? I've always believed, especially like you should be more speech? susceptible to something like that as like a public servant. As a public servant, any, you should be held to a much matter. higher standard. It doesn't even. matter. The thing is, if we're going to say free speech is meant to protect all speech for the sake of protecting lies for the same as truth, then we're using that law to destroy the validity of information. And we're using that law to actively create a corrupt information system. Yeah, That's what at the core that will do. Yeah. At the core. You don't need to like extrapolate anymore. That's what that does. If that if that specific law says that lies and truths are equal, you've just destroyed the capacity to validate anything. Yeah. No, you're right, man. I hadn't thought about it like that. I don't think a lot of people do because that's what the system they're taught is that opinion is equal to fact. That's what that is fucking there for. It's always it's always bothered me like when people do stuff like that and people always try to make that claim. Well, it's free speech, like you just shouldn't care. And it's That's like it's but I care about it's like us being able to communicate stupid. honestly. Yeah. It's to make You know, like I care about look, that, so I don't want to go out and do stupid stuff like that. Is your brother Aaron's the one that does the religious studies, right? Yeah. Yes. Uh-huh. So, did either of you do psych or philosophy? No. So most people in America are kept away from philosophy and taught to ridicule it because our constitution has circular arguments built into it. Right. AKA the first amendment unfettered. If you, if you have free speech, that is, it gives equal protection to truth and lie uh -huh. and doesn't have any, uh, nuance to the resolution of those two right then that's meant to protect circular logic right and that's like i started with an if because you need an if then statement to construct a proper logical argument in the form of logic. Everything isn't logical just because you're a human. Right. There needs to be an actual mathematical equation that constructs a logic statement in order to actually be logically sound. And this is where a lot of the things that the framework of our constitution are meant to do is to protect circular logic to create a situation in which people are using their own belief systems to reinforce their realities okay. instead of actually taking real facts into consideration. Right. So this is why people in America will use government given rights to protect their right to fight against that government. It's fucking circular. But what do you circular. think the solution is there? Then? Pe teach people fucking real logic. Okay, but I mean like because once you start to learn real logic, right, right. you start to question everything. Right. And, I mean, and it leads you down the path to be like, oh, okay, 
Now I see why we're here. Right. No, and it's been said for a long time that we've been kind of doing this as a society. Whether it, it's been like it hasn't been that consciously long. pushed. It hasn't been that long. No, and I don't think it has. I mean, when you look at the history of, of this particular nation, it's a very short mm -hmm. history. But we've come, in some ways, we've come very far, even if it wasn't necessarily very up, right? We've come very quickly through a lot of different phases. Because mm -hmm. we're just copying other people. <laughs> well, right. But I mean, it's kind of like you were saying earlier with information and technology. The more of it you get, the less you need to like worry about getting all the little journeys to get the knowledge you know mm -hmm. and so you're trying to do the best you can and that's what puts us at that cusp and it's like yeah man in a lot of ways america's fucked up real bad and they haven't seemed to really learn from much of it but they're almost at a place where it seems like one of them's going to click into place right yeah and they're going to take that step forward but at the same time you have a country which is less democratic than athens yeah. which believes it's more technologically advanced and more democratic than anything that's He's ever existed, yeah. which is a fucking complete lie. Right. It's a delusion. Right. And that's the problem with It's the about framing what you consider to be progress. And that's, that's circular logic again. It's right. like, because if you can believe your reality into existence mm -hmm. or your faith is more important than reality, right. then you can still believe that with the 37th ranked healthcare system in the world, that you're right. number one because your reality that you create Trump's fucking facts. Yeah. It's not an accident. It's, yeah. not, it's, 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 it's called the American dream, not the American reality. <laughs> you know? <clears throat> yeah. It's not, that. all that shit is not like, all these words matter. All right. these words matter a lot. Yeah. And it's, that's why it's like, when you look at the history of like, what black and white, and where those things come from, right. it's just getting like, it's all constructs. For sure. meant to shape how people view themselves to have this layer of history that they associate with themselves before they can actually get to their own personal identity. Right. So, in fact, when you're talking about this individual identity in the United States, it's, it's a lie. It's a constructed identity that you've either been bought or sold in a lot of cases because this gets back to that circular logic. Capitalism tells you you can buy your individuality off a fucking shelf. How? Right. How? If we all got fucking iPhones, oh, we got special cases. Oh, my background. I bought this $2 background. Oh, this watch I got, I got a special background for it. Right. I got this special thing that you have to buy in order to get your individuality. Right. Because it's, again, this, this construct where you're told that your individuality comes from something that can be mass produced and sold to you. Right. So you don't think Even about wacky it. Even hair colors. Like, you're going to a salon. Oh, for sure. You know, no, I mean, but that's the whole thing, you know, and it's like, it's it feels individual because it's new to you. Yep. You know, and that's what they're selling you, is that it's new to you. And they're selling you the idea that this is the thing you've been looking for. This is the thing you <laughs> need to express you the way you really want to be. Yeah. And we have a myriad of different ways of doing it. And it's, again, it's one of those things that's age old, but it's just really easy to do today. Mass production made it incredibly easy to do. So, I mean, like if we went to ancient cultures that were different than our own, I'm sure you would see the most wealthy among them sporting different stuff than the common do. And that's just kind of what we do. We use our wealth typically and we express it by At the making same ourselves look the way we want to look. If these ancient peoples were more aware of their hive mind, 
they would not necessarily see different clothing as something perhaps like not to be equated with a lower class true it may be separate but it wouldn't necessarily be lower and this is one of the things where you talk about feudalism, um, Western and Eastern thought concerning one's place within a culture. Sorry, guys, we're gonna pause real quick. Yeah, cool. No. And you have to do the, the Wayne's World one. Yeah, but no, we're doing. Do are we doing? But we don't. We, but we didn't do the wind up. Uh, but we're back anyway, so we're screw back it. Anyways. We're back. Wind <laughs> up or not? <laughs> All right. All right. Fair so we have covered a. Pretty vast amount of topic. Not, I mean, not necessarily a vast amount of topic, today, a but a lot of and thorough yeah. rabbit hole. Yes, we have covered. <laughs> yes. Is there any other subjects that we want to touch on, real quick? I don't know, man. My thing is, can we talk about unified theory, real quick? Sure. Sure. Yeah. Go have at so it, man. my okay. When we discuss scientific issues in the real world, a lot of times people will discuss them unscientifically. Mm-hmm. So if we're not talking about something that's taking place in a lab, yeah. we can only find correlation. We cannot find causation in the real world. This is because there's always an unknown factor. Whatever you're measuring, there's going to be something that you cannot measure, which is why you need laboratory settings to isolate out all the external factors. But then when you isolate all the external factors, you can't generalize those results to the real world. Mm-hmm. So what ends up happening is, as we have more and more labor- laboratories in each specific area, whether it's psychology, quantum physics, uh, regular physics, fucking medicine, um, genetics, those specific labs are able to put out more information that can be combined with information from other labs. And we get closer to having accurate representations of what will eventually be a unified theoretical approach to the universe. Mm-hmm. What this means is that in unified theory, all views are taken into account. There's no scientific school of thought that's excluded from unified theory, yeah. whether it's psychology or astrophysics, uh, mainly because um, if you're talking about the breakdown of the universe, obviously a thought will have to have some sort of energy equivalent. So how many calories is a thought? Somebody has the answer for that. I don't off the top of my head. <coughs> Surely complex thoughts are more calor- calorically intensive than non-complex thoughts. Regardless, once our science is good enough, we should be able to translate how much the thought of a specific word is in a Snickers bar. And that's unified theory. So what ends up happening is when we're talking about school shootings, we're talking about police shootings. We're talking about space travel. We're all talking about the same equation in unified theory. Uh, in some cases, unified theory may take an approach and say, oh, the reason these school shootings are happening is because um, when you look at X amount of factor or X factors in this, this person isn't getting the proper nutrition. They're not getting the proper mental upbringing and then when they get in this scenario and they get emotionally triggered they get too much potassium on this day and then their external factors are saying vitamin d is exchanging with that potassium and all of a sudden you effectively have a nuclear reaction taking place within an individual that translate into a bunch of people getting killed and then when they have access to a tool to do that that is another factor in that that allows that chain reaction to have another 
like set of repercussions because we're only even looking at the isolated incident. We're not looking at say how in 50 years, someone who was in that room has their life has evolved and been impacted from that event because that impact will directly affect that person 50 years later and directly affect everything that that person. I think it's that thing so, that we forget about as a species whenever we say, oh, well, this generation, you know, here is so lazy, but look at the one that lived through World War II. They're like that because they lived through World War II. Your kids are like this because they've lived through what is essentially, in some ways, a peacetime. You know, at least one that didn't affect them very much. So it's like, yeah, they're going to be different people. I mean, but even further, the previous generations wanted to isolate things to understand them but in unified theory you can't do that yeah you can't isolate anything everything right. is interrelated and as we get closer to understanding unified theory it makes it much more difficult to talk about isolated incidents in a scientific manner right. which is why it ends up being an emotional reaction to a lot of these scenarios because if you look talk about them scientifically then it's impossible to disconnect things and that's right. why it's like when you're talking about why are these things happening? Well, it's not just the law. It's not just the psychological right. aspect. It's not just their location. It's like all of them combined. But when you have a population that doesn't even begin to grasp the concept of unified theory, uh, it makes it a lot easier for them to be in a spot where they can remove science from the discussion mm -hmm. and be completely engulfed in an emotional reactionary state. It's the way you divide us up. Yeah. So again, this gets back to understanding logical thought. The more people understand logical thought and how logical thoughts actually work, mm -hmm. the easier it is to stop yourself from acting on irrational or illogical thoughts. Yeah. And you know when something is illogical. Or you can decide it's illogical, but I'm going to act on it anyway, and that's a lot of times supposed to be what altruism is. Right. And sacrificing yourself because it's illogical or irrational. But you make that the choice or for decision the or, for the greater good. Yeah. That's when we're supposed to be irrational or illogical. Right. So it's not really that difficult to understand or explain why a lot of these things are happening. But you have to be able to understand. The solution has got to be a very multi-stepped approach. And that's something I've been arguing for a long time. Is people try to. They get very specified in what they think is going to work. And it's like, no, 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 no. We're going to have to throw a bunch of different shit at yep. this. Mm -hmm. And it's all got to stick for yep. you to see the for you to see the benefit. Yeah. But no one wants to do that. They all want to think that they're it's like what was that episode of South Park where they all had the little armbands and they called them a scars. And they're like everyone has a scars because everyone had those little rubber armbands that meant yeah. something for a long time. Yeah. And it's that Where'd they like go? That, Where'd those things go? Right. It was like a trend. Did it flow away, bracelets? Right? Or those stickers on the back of your car but, support the troops. But you yeah. still have your scars though, yeah. right? Because yeah. you still have your cause. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, they did a whole Dr. Seuss thing. It was actually pretty clever. But anyways, <laughs> we do that with our opinions though. We think my opinions would have worked. Well, yeah, your opinion is probably not too bad. Mm -hmm. What about his opinion? What about your opinion? What about yours? You know, so it's like you have to be willing to talk to people. You have to be willing to have these kind of conversations. Well, and I think I think that's a huge part of what people are missing nowadays is is that is that exact thing of being an open-minded individual and being able to sit down and and have a discussion about things and actually be like, "Oh, 
you know more than I do. I can accept that. <laughs> and I can listen to what you're saying. Not like, oh no, fuck you. I don't know what you're talking about. I'm, no, I'm, I'm just going to stay ignorant. I don't know. I don't know. No, no, no. I love no. change your voice. And, you know. But I'm just saying, like, that's the thing. If more people could be a little more open-minded and a little more like, okay, let's listen to what this guy has to say. Because that's a big part of, like, an issue that's going on right now with this whole gun control thing. Mm -hmm. You know, you have the left side. You have the right side. You have the, you know, the left. I think left. side has that middle section, though, that's kind of like, I, I think well, we that's should what have I'm saying. guns, but I'm, I'm saying, willing to talk. I'm and the other saying side is like, I don't think we should, People but like us <laughs> sides that are, like, are in the middle. You. But you have the people on the far left and far right, and it's basically like, oh, we should have no guns, guns should be abolished, no guns, no guns, no guns, fuck guns. Then you have these other guys over here who are like, oh, we love guns, boom, 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 yay, yay, yay. Like anything and, can be taken way But that's far. the thing. <laughs> but then you have people in the middle, and you're like, all right, look. <clears throat> We clearly have some sort of an issue with guns. All right, so maybe let's let's do some new rules and regulations. Okay, so what the right hears is you're taking away my guns, Second Amendment. Oh my God! And what the left he hears is you ain't doing shit. You're not doing enough. Yeah. You're not doing enough. And it's like, well, look, we're not going to completely take away guns, and we're not going to completely ignore this fucking thing. Yeah. So we have to come in the middle. Like, all right, you can't go to a gun show at 15 years old and walk out with a high-powered rifle. That's not going to be able to be a thing anymore. Yeah, yeah. You know, we're going to have to really crack down on this shit. Yeah. You know, ha getting getting access to automatic weapons or whatever, or the yeah. kits that make the weapons automatic, is not going to be as easily accessible. We really have to fucking crack down on that shit. But, listen, if you want to go through these proper procedures and these proper steps and these proper channels, you can buy whatever you want to. But a big thing of that is, is we need to teach more gun safety. Yeah. We need to teach more. There, it needs to be more be like getting a driver's training. license. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, oh, you more want a so gun. That, I would okay. Say. You have to fill out this piece of paper. We do a background check, yada, yada, yada. Then you 20 start, hours of training. Yes. Then it you have to, to go to the gun range. Expense, I would say. Like, you know, you whatever. make that a publicly No, absolutely program. not. It has I had to, to pay for my driver's ed. Oh, yeah. You pay for driver's You pay for the whole thing. small fees. If you're wanting the responsibility of owning a firearm for the reasons that you think you need absolutely whatever they may be absolutely whatever the reasons may be no you need to be a responsible absolutely. enough citizen to be able to whatever our dynamic yeah. is social at the time well, be able to provide the fact so, that i can keep this gun in a place where it is kept safe it is kept responsible. What about but, learner's permits it's it's that yes. whole part of it that says yes. a well-maintained but this is like what we were talking about the other day was it me and you that were talking about the different le license of the guns or the different levels of the guns so like if you want to come in you're like i want a handgun a little nine millimeter whatever all right, well, you take this test, you know, you get certified on this level of mm. gun. Then you get to buy this level of gun. Yep. Okay, well, now I want a shotgun. Okay, well, now you got to come back in. You got to sit through X amount of tr training hours, yeah. which you have to pay for. And then when you get that, then you can go into the gun shop with your new shotgun permit. And you can buy whatever shotgun you want. Or you want a high-powered rifle. Okay, you got to sit through that class. Check so it. what it you does know, is... You know why that's a great system? Why? Apply that to cars. Think about this for a second. So if I have a, a license that is a driver's license, I can go buy any fucking car that's street legal, right? Yeah. But then the speed limit is the same for everybody, even mm -hmm. if I have a... Uh, a race car. GT Mustang or whatever. Fucking Lambo right. or whatever. Why don't we have graduated licenses to say, oh, this person's gone through the test. He can drive like a fucking F1 driver anywhere because he's that good. Yeah. yeah. I think they're afraid it, it because you're on the same road. But that that's, that person's going to overreact. But that's not the way they do it on the Autobahn. 
I'm not. I'm not saying it's you correct. Know what I'm I think saying? that that's like the. And thought then you look at stuff. the the accident. You know I mean? Look at the accident yeah. rate on the autobahn. Right. How long do you think it's going to be before they? Uh... Because an F a person who can drive like an F one driver can tell if the other driver's nervous. Absolutely. Slow down. Absolutely. So that's Calmly why that person get around can drive 180 miles an hour. Well, I mean, that's and kinda, not an accident. That's kind of how a general way of our license. You know, then you can get your. Your chauffeur's license, which means yep. you can drive a school bus. Absolutely. And then you can get your yeah. CDL class ABC mm-hmm. license. You can drive an 18 wheeler. Yep. Absolutely. And so, but but why don't we do something like that with something that's the most powerful weapon in the entire world right. short of a nuclear bomb? Like, how is that not a thing? And listen, to the right, we're not saying take away guns. We're simply saying Let's just Make train people better. And to the left, because no, the you're not going to get rid of guns. Maintained. It's not going to happen. You know, you're whatever... not going to just ban guns across no. the board no, without a huge fight. But I it also says that. you have to be in a militia too, right? Well, that's what I'm saying. That's what I was about to say is it says a well-maintained militia. So now you come down to what you define as a militia. Yeah. I mean, well, that's pretty have easy this, to define. If you right? have, but if you have this organization whose job it is to buy taking in these fees and stuff yeah. to educate these people, they can act in some way as the militia. Yeah, that's still a militia. So, I mean, you've got your gun. That's not changing the... That's but it not... requires something of you as a citizen to say, hey... If we need a last line of defense against anything, whether it's our own government or otherwise, the Tennessee Minutemen still exist. You know, so but that's where that's what like, the National Guard used to be, yeah. right? And, that's and now why, we've lost that. They but we haven't. We haven't. We just got a bunch of people who want to claim Second Amendment but not fucking follow it. I agree. That's what it is. I agree. That's what it is. I agree. You know. I mean, but then a lot of those Second Amendment people aren't in the NRA. That's true. Yeah. So they're not really part of a militia. I'd say the vast so they claim majority Second of gun Amendment, but don't in follow it. Are not in the NRA. I think they only got 15 million members, right? Yeah. We can find the numbers. That's that's what I'm saying. Yeah. We don't have to like debate our opinions right. on the numbers. We can fucking find exactly how many. Like if we find exactly how many people in NRA versus how many gun owners we there are, and then how many militia, militia men there are. We can find out scientifically how many people are breaking the Second Amendment, right. but then claiming to be following the Second Amendment. It's not. It's like we can just do it. But I, I don't, I don't even care. That. I don't even care to know the numbers because right. I know that they're hypocrites. Right. We know they're hypocrites. Right. We don't have to like scientifically prove it to them because they don't listen to science anyway. Right. No, I agree. So it's this weird like it's it's one of those things where it's like it's it feels like no matter where you look. You see people all kind of deceiving themselves in their own little special way. And it's it's where all the problems seem to stem from. And it's not all on one side. It's not all on the other. And it, it, it drives me nuts personally because I'm like, I feel like more people understand this than we talk about in our in our media, in our in like our big social venues. You know, I think more people can understand that concept and are open to it and probably personally believe it. But we believe that we're in some way isolated and insular from everyone else. Mm-hmm. Well, know? I think that goes along with with everything. I looked up the numbers. <laughs> <laughs> what are they? Uh, there's 14 million um, members in the NRA. Wasn't far. 14 off. million. And there are somewhere between 270 million to 310 million. Yeah. So, <laughs> so like a, a, a real tiny fraction. A real tiny fraction. <laughs> Like yeah. 325 or something. Yeah, so yeah. all of them. 325 million yeah. people. Yeah. Well, what did, no, hold on a second. There are 325 million people in the U.S. as of December 2017. So, so here's the thing. If I spit these numbers out and I didn't have to look them up and I'm not far off, 
that validates my appearance of authority and knowledge. It's not that my authority validates my knowledge. It's when I cite numbers, and if I say there's 325 million people, Mm -hmm. and you look it up, and there's 325 million people. If I say there's 15 million people in NRA off the top of my head, and he looks up, and there's 14 million people. That's why you're like, oh, okay, I'm going to listen to this guy. Not because I say I'm Dr. fucking whatever. You know what I mean? It's the whole walk the walk thing. Exactly. If you're going to say you know some shit, you better know some shit. Right. So that's kind of, again, where it comes back to if you put emphasis on... I'm sorry. I take that back. So there are 270 million to 302 million guns in the United States. Okay. It's about 42% of Americans say that they have a gun in their household. Mm-hmm. But does that... A lot of them. But still, I mean, you come back to how many were in, in the NRA? One out of ten. One out of ten. Fourteen million. Yeah, so still a fraction. Yeah, it's about one out of ten. Yeah. So, <laughs> so that's so what it's like. The vast majority are sitting all outside of that going, yeah. I think I should be able to have a gun, but I don't think I should have to be responsible for it. Yep. You know. So this is that hypocrisy that is based around circular logic. Right. Yeah. And I think, I mean, by nature of the fact that we produce so many, therein lies part of the problem in that it became very easy for anyone to get one even whatever the second amendment was ever supposed to mean like it just became too easy to have one for everyone not to wind up with one mm-hmm. you know and i don't i don't personally think that is specifically what our founding fathers meant i think they said a well-ordered and maintained militia for a reason if we really want to be literalist about it and take them at their word we have to take every word into account like you said there's power in words they mean something and when we when we stop letting that mean something, and we let them kind of float off at the end of the sentence, we do ourselves a huge disservice, because every word is important whenever you're trying to determine what was the purpose of this document. And well ordered means very plainly well ordered, and we don't have anything approaching that these days because the National Guard is is not a militia. They they listen to the 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 orders given to them by the federal army. And, and that's fine, I guess, but we need to have something to fill that void because I think that's where you come down to it. It's like there's people who believe that we need to have a last line of defense against tyranny, and that is great. But as we've said, it needs to be well-ordered. So let's order it and make your argument from there. I mean, what else would be said? <laughs> yeah, that's like the mic drop moment, man. Boom. All right, right, guys. Well, thank you very much for tuning in for this episode. And, um, yeah, I don't, our next one will be out at some other point. We got some other cool ones coming up. So keep an ear out. And thank you very much, Chris, for coming in. And it was fun (laughs) being a guest. My pleasure. It was, it was. Thanks for having me. Hell yeah, man. Good times, good times. All right, peace out. Peace.